Hey everybody, how y'all doing? I am Ben. And this is Dak. And we are the guys who did this. We will be continuing our journey today through The Expanse Book 1 with chapters 6 through 13. Yes, and warning, we will be covering adult subjects as well as discussing spoilers for the books and also the show sometimes. That is true. Many spoilers. This is an adult podcast. Many (laughs) adult topics. Hopefully more than we did last book, honestly. But without further ado, let's get right into it. Our first chapter today is chapter six. It is a Miller chapter, so I am here to go through this with everyone. Um, This chapter starts off with Miller and Havelock um, taking the cart back to police HQ. This chapter happens right after Miller's um, message has gone out and the everyone in the belt has Holden's message and heard it. Yeah. Holden. What did I, did I say? You said Miller's, but yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Already just, just (laughs) fucking up already. Um, So yeah, Holden's message for around the, the solar system has gone back to everyone on the belt. The police are freaking out. The security is freaking out. Um, Miller is extremely pissed about this. Havelock is like, this, why is this a big deal? It doesn't seem like a big deal. Like, we're fine. Like, we have months worth of water. There shouldn't be a problem here. Like, we shouldn't even notice this. Miller just kind of like looks at him like, dude, what? Bro, like, are you joking me? He <laughs> Miller's like, immediately like, uh, you're just such a classic Earther. The Earther sent out the message. The Earther doesn't understand why this is a big deal. Like, God damn it. Fuck Earthers. That is what's going on in Miller's yeah. head. He tries to like, he's like, he feels bad about thinking that, but he does definitely think it. Um, so, Miller has to explain to Havelock like why this is like a big deal. Miller basically says like this is like a declaration of war on Mars from the belt, essentially. Yeah. Um, Miller tells like a, a little short story about how a guy that was skimping on air filtration was just straight up murdered. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like does that like the belt hardcore. Is, like, the Belters will just murder people if they're if they're not being serious they, about water and air and other. Basic yeah, they don't stories. like their uh, their living. <laughs> necessities uh-uh. uh fucked with like uh-uh. they'll they'll do if anything's wrong they're one they're obsessed with keeping it up to, up to date like all the filtration and um air recycling and all that good because like if they don't they're dead so like any little thing they're like man this is uh this is an act of war here so yeah so again miller just implies like we just we killed everyone that didn't care about this stuff so the only <laughs> people that are left are the OCD people about cleaning and keeping all this stuff good. So when someone does mess with water or air or food in any way, or the systems that maintain these things, um, the people in the belt take that shit very seriously. Um, and they get very mad about those things very quickly. Havelock, there's this kind of weird, honestly, I thought it was kind of weird side. Havelock's like, oh, you believe? I never thought I'd hear this from you. And Havelock and Miller's like, what? What are you talking about? And Havelock mentions the like selective uh, belter theory or something like yep. that about how it, it's like racist propaganda from Earth saying that belters are not even really human anymore because the environment has changed them so much. And Miller in his brain is like, I'm not saying that, but in his brain is like, I am kind of saying that. Yeah, actually, um, yes, that's I true. Don't, <laughs> I don't know. Kind of a weird little aside because uh, it's only been like a hundred years or so. I don't know. It, it seems a little strange to me. Um, I guess after a long enough time period, obviously living in that different of environment probably would change like 
it's obviously going to change how they behave, but they're still like human. I don't know. Are you it's saying weird... they're not human? Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird. <laughs> well, I mean, like after like say like you lived in, in a, on a different planet for 500 years, that is like the definition of like how splitting how things. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah. The, the three islands with the right. the toucan right. birds. They weren't toucans, yeah. but so I mean that 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 just is evolution. <laughs> like it's going to happen in that situation. So like in on the belt situation, if you have isolated populations they're obviously going to like evolve in different directions just because ran- mutations are going to happen randomly differently yeah but I, yeah i, I think the, uh... weird. but they're not isolated they're still able to like interact with each other pretty easily. yeah but they're in like, that environment i think um yeah it's it's definitely just kind of uh... side they mention it here and then it's never mentioned again and i just was like it's kind of i don't know i thought it was kind of strange yeah it's interesting that it's never mentioned again i th- I thought it kind of would be, yeah, based on their adding this conversation in, but yeah, not, not mentioned. theory or selective effect. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, that's, that's what Havelock, Havelock's like, yo, selective <laughs> effect isn't real. Miller's like, well, kind of actually is. <laughs> um, and then they just kind of keep going. Um, they, they eventually get back to the office um or havelock one thing to mention havelock is like kind of what what we've touched on a little bit is like holden didn't even accuse mars it seems like the earthers are like like, (laughs) they're kind of oblivious this this isn't actually yeah i know they seem they seem super oblivious and i think this is probably just an overarching this is like a comes back to a point about how the belt is treated overall by mars to an extent too by earth um they don't really understand what the politics are of the the belt in mars and earth they don't really understand the stakes um of living right. out there and so you get these moments where havelock just truly can't understand why people are reacting the way they are what what the the gravity of the situation is um havelock and holden are both just in these you know looking at this like this is what happened yeah and we just want to get the information out there blah blah, blah. they don't both of them have no understanding of the ramifications of that decision so there is one thing to kind of point out holden maybe just instead of being like a dumbass like we kind of mentioned maybe he's just more <laughs> maybe that's just part of being from earth and not really understanding an earther a classic earther we're just going to stereotype earther. all earthers yeah. as yes. holden we should we're going to meet a smart one in the next book but we Ooh. haven't met one yet is was um, he born on earth i don't know anyway who? uh no, yeah. Yeah, he definitely was. Proximity? Yep. Pretty sure. And then he was on Mars for a while, and now he's on the belt. All right, fair. Fair enough. So they get back to the station. Um, everyone is, like, freaking out. So Havelock immediately is like, oh. Like, he, you know, Miller's like, he could write off my freaking out, but he can't really write off a station of, like, 100 people freaking out at the same time. Um, so Havelock is like, okay, uh, I get it. This is serious. Jadid kind of comes in. And she's like ready to go. She's like, she announces that they have no way of controlling the broadcast from reaching everyone that they have to assume that this is public information as of about 10 minutes ago. So this is taking place very quickly. Um, And they're reacting very quickly to it. And that their job is to keep rioting to a minimum. Um, The, any, any non belter ships have been, um, They've, they've left the docks and they're trying to round up any crew if they haven't that are from Earth or Mars to get off of Sirius for the time being. Government offices have been secured and locked down. Um, and 
that is the good news. And then she announces the bad news, which is that they have 80 known OPA agents on the station who have potentially been waiting for an incident like this to pop up. Um, she kind of mentions that like these OPA agents, they're not like, you know, they're not like um, just doing bad shit all the time. Like they just, they have jobs and they're like part of society, <laughs> but they also are part of the OPA. So that's what makes them potentially um, more dangerous in this situation versus normal, but they're normally not because they're just living their lives normally. Um, the, the government has, or the governor, I believe is what they call this person has announced that there'll be no proactive detentions. Um, and immediately this gets questioned by a lot of these belter police security officers, um, which I'm, so this makes me assume that the governor of series is not a belter. No, it's, um, it's earth. Yeah, it's, it's an earther. Okay. Yeah. So, um, because assumedly the, they, they immediately Miller's like, hmm, I wonder what the politics of that decision are. They question why they wouldn't be allowed to proactively, um, detain people that may be yeah. trying to cause riots. I, you know, I guess that's their thinking. Um, it just, just again, goes to show the deep, deep distrust of belters of anyone that is not a belter. Um, Sure. in any sort of make decision-making capacity. So Shadid breaks the officers down into teams uh, in like riot control teams, I guess. Miller is just the only... Miller's assigned a team lead, which again, this so this part actually... Uh, we'll, we can come back to this. When it is kind of revealed that Miller is not highly thought of in the organization, <laughs> I always come back to this moment where Miller is... where he's assigned you know, one of the three or four team lead roles during this riot. And I don't know if I, it seems like it's incongruous with um, them kind of revealing that no one likes him very yeah, much. I, don't know. I mean, but so, I think he's still, I think the problem is he's still like higher rank in the security force. So it's kind of like real yeah. life, how somebody like gets to like manager level and they're mm -hmm. a crap manager, but it's not like, what are they going to do? Demote them? Like that right. doesn't really happen. They just like stick them with like the easy jobs or whatever, or the jobs right. they don't want done. So yeah, yeah, that's how I would explain that. Right, right. So um, it is that Shadid's like, every team will be of 20, except for Miller's. And then Miller's <laughs> like, Havelock, sorry, bud. Like, you got to sit this one out once again. And Havelock's like, all right, fine. Saw that one coming. Um, because Havelock's an Earther and um, Miller says that, you know, having an Earther out there to try and control the Belters. It, um, it would make the optics look. Would, would be bad. Yeah. look a lot worse <laughs> optics would be worse and also it would probably make everyone angrier um if they did notice that he was an earther out there yep with a gun so mill uh havelock has to stay home <laughs> that for him um the let's see miller uh they end up uh miller's kind of like working with the people in his group to assign them like different roles within their patrol group um there's a bunch of names and stuff we don't really need to go into that they eventually <laughs> though get out to the lockers uh where all the riot gear is held Ooh. and they get in there and there's no riot gear yes um, which is weird <laughs> miller's just like fuck what the fuck uh shadid is very very angry immediately and honestly this moment kind of goes by quickly obviously the obviously they're they have large issues right now to deal with and so they're worried about getting the all these officers out there to to stop people from rioting which they're really worried about but man it seems very weird that all <laughs> the riot gear from the security it's... lockers which required codes to get into 
is gone. It's like, weird oh. that nobody follows up on it either. Nobody like after this, they're like, <laughs> well, maybe we should figure out. Like, I mean, Miller like kind of like goes about asking the OPA guy, but they never. No, like, official police investigation goes into right. what happened to all the riot gear. <laughs> like, how is that happening? So weird to me. It's so weird. And it seems like such a big, like, misstep to just never mention, like, oh, who's following up on this? Or, like, I mean, just anything. Yeah. It seems like, Very yeah, weird. that'd be a big deal. Like, somebody would be imagine, investigating like, if, that. If a bunch of, like, weapons and shit were stolen from a police station. That would be like national, and no one knew who did knew who did it. That would yeah. be fucking massive news. I don't know. Yeah, it seems very. It seems like it's treated way lighter. <laughs> that would be national news. It actually that was. <laughs> that would be unreal. Yeah, yeah, it would be ridiculous. If anything, for the money, like, because the Star Helix would care, because it's like, well, you just lost a hundred grand in right here. What the right. what the but hell? I mean, especially like in our climate now. Like, yeah, no. Like, oh, uh, did like did like an alt right group? Yeah, a right. Bunch of riot gear, like, or did they have someone working for the police station? Forget like, about you know, it. Sign them in and take all this stuff. Like, I mean, that's what the the implications are here. That like Miller has to type in a code to get into these lockers, and so the implication is that like someone, someone had to from type within. in codes to take all the riot gear out of these lockers. So, and they and no one knows who did it. Like, no one saw this happening. There's people working all the time. So yeah, like I it's kind of yeah. baffling that this is like touched on here and then kind of just swept under the rug seemingly yeah um, which maybe is part of what's going on who knows maybe. um basically shadid then indicates that we're gonna have to use the swat gear which includes like sniper rifles and like you know it's way more about murdering people yeah. than it is about keeping people from rioting so miller's like oh boy it's uh probably not gonna go well and then we get to the the next scene is is Miller and his group patrolling the docks area that they have been assigned to. Um, it's kind of an interesting scene we have here. They are just kind of walking around. Miller's like, hmm, I wonder how I should look to these people. <laughs> and then they hear screaming. Um, and Miller, like, jacks into his camera, into a security camera somehow. He goes very cyberpunk 2077 here. Um, he jacks into a security camera. He sees, like, 50 to 60 people. Uh, in a security camera in a mob and they're kind of in a ring around this shirtless guy who's just beating the shit out of a woman apparently so not a not a good scene not good no uh, miller <laughs> miller i love he's just like showtime i like that he's got a couple like i don't know just a couple like lines like everyone like that love. oh my god and um and they all run in and um, Miller sees the shirtless guy. And this is pretty gruesome. He he is beating up this woman and he stomps on her neck as they're getting closer. And it's it's clear from how her head is twisted uh, at an angle that uh, that this woman is not is not alive anymore. Yeah. Um, so pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, Miller immediately is like, OK, this is not good. How do we, how, we got to stop this. We got to stop this mob from going to other areas and inciting more people to join them. And again, these people are rioting because of the can't, they're mad about the Canterbury being blown up. They, they view it as like a direct attack against them and the their way of life. Yeah. yeah. So that, that is kind of the reason for why they're rioting. It might be, I guess if you're reading it, it might be kind of hard to understand why they're rioting, but it's like, oh, I don't really know of it 
scenario. I can't really think of a comparable scenario at the moment, but <laughs> they're they're pissed. Um, they Miller ends up kind of thinking about what they're gonna do, and then they kind of get to the group, and then it's you know then it's go time for him. He's got to one of one of his um, people in his group asks to shoot a couple to put the fear of God in them, and, and that's just um, not a good look for that guy. Um, to be sure. <laughs> yeah, I was like, should we just murder him? Uh, no. <laughs> we should not do that. Um, but maybe the shirtless guy. <laughs> maybe the guy that murdered that one. Maybe him. Um, the, the shirtless guy kind of comes to the front of the crowd. He's like super roided up. It said that he's so roided that he waddles. Like his legs are so <laughs> large. That he no thigh gap. Yeah. Um, and, um, Miller immediately tries to like Roy to like reason with this guy. And this guy, he just kind of insults him a couple of times. He calls him a bitch in a few different languages. It's pretty funny. Miller's like, huh, that's the second time you call him a bitch. And then he's like, kneecap him. And then they like <laughs> hit him in the legs. And so, um, yeah, this guy's just like now on the ground, like crying because his legs have just been shot um, by sniper rifles. So interesting stuff here um, from all sides. And then there's a little bit Miller's like trying to talk to the crowd. I'm not going through all the words here because, you know, he's just talking to the crowd, talking them down. There's another OPA guy and and Miller's doing is, you know, this is what Mars wants. They want us fighting each other. Um, you, this guy, you know, now there's one OP, one less OPA member now because we just we just shot that guy. And <laughs> you made us do this like <laughs> like we didn't do this. So eventually he, he's talking through the crowd. The, he can feel the current of the crowd. He can feel their mood um settling down he sees people starting to peel off the outsides of the crowd and eventually he kind of um tells everyone to go home people do disperse and they go back to the shirtless man and he tells this guy like yo if you give us any trouble we're just gonna space you like you're just you're fucking dead so don't give me any trouble and the guy's like all right yep uh, i believe you uh and that is the end of the the riot chapter yeah um so also with your point about miller being everybody views him as a crap cop he kind of did a good job here uh he does a great job i think of um, not making sure a riot didn't start or like continue and only he didn't kill anybody and only one guy got kneecapped so that's pretty good i mean miller even says he's like uh one dead not bad not a bad yeah, night or nice. less i don't know yeah but uh yeah so i he does pretty good uh so it's clear he once was a good job was a good was yeah, a good cop i don't know if maybe he just like is i don't i don't know why his i wonder if his reputation i wonder what exactly happened to where his reputation has like sort of sort of deteriorated for everyone because we we know he's smart he clearly is smart from like what we see in this book yeah he does a lot of a lot of good stuff and a lot of good detective work too finding holden ship and stuff later but yeah he is still assigned even if people don't respect him he still is assigned a leadership role in this like crunch time moment and and his team listens to him like he clearly like yeah he controls the situation he's like shoot the guy they fucking shoot him immediately like there's just no hezzy there like straight up boom yep um they don't chafe against his orders at all i don't know it it seems that that reveal later not really a reveal but just that conversation later about how dude we all fucking hate you or we all don't like you is weird when compared to this yeah i think i think it's a couple things i think it's his personality and then also um like he was like he was like saying to Havelock, well, this happens later. How he he tells him to say that like he's going on a bender again because that seems believable. So like so if he's, he, it yes. seems like he's uh-huh. doing that. 
like not <laughs> well he does do it in this book and it seems yeah. like he had been doing that before so maybe everybody's just like wow that guy's just like he's just he washed up drunk when yeah he, his ex-wife divorced him yeah like so, I, that maybe is what happened because that would be about two and a year two years ago right that's enough time for people to be like yeah this guy he just all he does is drink and right right about his ex-wife so yeah. that that might be what's happening the one thing I, I think i forgot to mention the the woman that was killed she was apparently a she was not a belter and she was working uh on a ship that was that was docked there and mm-hmm. that's why she was targeted um by this by this mob targeting that wanted blood brutal so um brutal yeah not good stuff but uh chapter seven another holden chapter a boy uh yeah so holden and his team are on the on the night uh and we get some more holden coffee love he's just uh thinking about how how much he loves coffee how much he can uh how good he is at drinking it even at half a g clear he's a he's a morning brown lover for sure <laughs> i think about how good i am at drinking coffee every morning <laughs> he does yeah, he's like I'm so good at this. i'm such i'm so good at this he does though and uh so we get a little exposition on why they're kind of just going in circles right now because they don't want to fly towards the belt because if they get there's there's two places they can go right they can go to jupiter where their their company has a station or they can go back to the belt where um there's also just random stations they can fly to and and dock on uh but holden wants to wait for the their parent company to get back to them to tell them where to go because if they start flying in one direction they're not going to have the fuel to get them back um and we see how holden is like we say that holden makes a bunch of stupid decisions and stuff and is 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 dumb here but he can he can use logic sometimes uh and and do some 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 good things because this was a a smart decision as we'll we'll see later but uh holden holden goes to sleep because he's still like feeling weird about all his dead friends and the uh um also the drugs that they had in their system uh so yeah he he drugs himself up goes to sleep um and yeah here we we get him thinking about the the people who blew up the cant he's like how could anybody do this um they must be sociopaths. He's like, he knew some people in the, in the Navy who might do this. And, and he thought of them as sociopaths, which is interesting. Cause we, we learn later that, uh, Phoebe, um, all the, the scientists and people working on Phoebe that were basically are the people who, uh, who did this. They, they were made sociopaths by, uh, messing with their brain. So, uh, yeah, checks out. Good job. Holden, Holden, uh, another check for Holden's book. Finger on the pulse. He's got uh, it. James he knows Holden. it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Holden wakes up three hours later. Uh, P&K, the parent company, finally responds. I think it was only like an hour or so. It was it was way less to get the transmission. So there is like data or time to get transmissions back and forth because space is so big. But it's not three hours. So he's like, uh, that's not a good sign. And then it's a lawyer on the phone who's sending the message back. And he's like, uh, really not good sign. Like, imagine you're like, hey, boss, what should I do about this uh, report here? And he's <laughs> then he responds with a lawyer. It's like, uh, no, I don't. I, talking to a lawyer is never good. You should <laughs> just no, just it's FYI. Like HR. It's like yeah. talking to HR. They're, yeah. They're not looking out for your best interest. They're looking out for the company's. Pro tips. Pro tips right there. They're not your friend. Nope. No. Um, but they advised them to go to the MCRN Doniger. Um, which is the massive warship that Mars has. We're, we'll get into this more in in the Protogen Labs report, but it's a scary it's a scary warship. <laughs> Amos, I love this line. 
we're fucked and not in the nice way because <laughs> um, because he's he honestly a man of few words but poetry he gets some zingers yep. mm-hmm. yeah he, he he knows what what he's talking about because basically they're worried about if mars takes them they're basically gonna either force them to make a statement that's like we <laughs> we're wrong it wasn't mars everything's fine or they're just gonna get like wisped away and never heard of again because mars doesn't want people thinking that they were the ones who blew it up uh so they're they're understandably worried um but holden and they tell him not to do any more broadcasts uh but holden says i'm gonna disobey the spirit of this order and do one last broadcast but this isn't the spirit of the order it was it was the order was literally don't make any more broadcasts so i I don't know why he says we're gonna disobey the spirit of the order um, I'm gonna theoretically disobey the order. And and the lawyer's like, uh, "No, that's that, you are that was that, that was a disobey, man." Um, so yeah, Holden Holden broadcast everyone. Yo, we're about to be go to the Donager. So if anything weird happens, it's uh, <laughs> they 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 fucked us. So uh, so that basically helps helps them not get basically just murdered by uh, Mars. Um, but there's still the risk that they like make them say what they they want them to say and whatnot so uh that's still that's still in the back of their heads but it's a it's a pretty good play by holden another another smart decision uh so they set course i actually think think this is a good play too like this is something where if the uh, he actually doesn't know the reaction to his initial message and how that's been received by the belt by mars by earth i mean i guess he maybe has a feeling now based on that call from the (laughs) lawyer but um he he they have no real access to what the reaction has been uh in the no film. so like i guess he doesn't really have a good idea of like oh hopefully someone heard that um you know hopefully someone's looking out for us but he doesn't know that the belt's like actively like freaking out and rioting and starting to like prepare you know, Mars is is starting to worry about like, oh shit, the belt's probably pissed at us, so we are probably going to start getting uh, having issues with them. But but I don't know. It, it it's a good move. I don't think he understands Mars's position. I don't think anything would have happened to them if they right. if, if Mars just like took them in and like all of a sudden no one heard from them again. The belt would have been even more pissed, seemingly. <laughs> right. But. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good call. I don't know if it was super necessary based on what we know, but because right. he's already such a public figure, but I, it can't. It doesn't. I don't think it hurts. Yeah, it does help him a bit. It also it kind of makes Mars mad later, but um, <laughs> yes, it does. That's yes. uh, that's all right. He's got to He's got to do what he's got to do. Um, but another big thing here, the crew. So they set course for the Donger. They're gonna get there in thirteen days, which again gives you a idea of how big space is and how how tiny their ship is. Um, but then they see six ships flying at them from the belt to intercept them and are going to get there two days earlier. Um, which is, so they, I, I do that. I don't know if they explain this in the book, but I, seemingly the Donager speeds up to kind of intercept them before the ships. Cause in, in the next chapter they say, all right, they're going to get there like just before the ships arrive. Um, yeah, which I is weird. That, I think the Donager notices that the ships are following them. Yeah, it speeds up. I believe that is what happens. Yeah, um, um, but it's it's kind of creepy because uh, 
Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. You don't just want six random ships uh, coming at you when you're following in a... you to assumedly following you to the Martian warship you're about to meet right. with. Right. So it seems weird. Like it, normal people wouldn't do this because that warship will just murder you immediately. No one wins against that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, just a creepy, creepy message. Um, but yeah, some good decisions from Holden here. Chalk one up for my boy. Uh, finally, a win for finally. Holden. He'll he'll mess it up <laughs> later. He'll mess it up later. It's not a big deal. It's all about balance. One True. good decision, one bad decision. True. One good decision, one bad decision. True. All right, what's happening with uh, Mr. Miller? That's funny. That's kind of a short chapter. I didn't realize that we were done already, but there is a lot of... Um, it is interesting. Obviously, there's decisions that are made, um, but definitely a shorter one. Yeah, like a couple of these ones are actually. Um, so then we get back to Miller. Um, Miller and Havelock are watching a TV. A little bit of time has passed since the end of the riots. A few days, I think, or maybe a week actually. Um, there is a there's a woman on on a, the TV channel that they're watching that uh is talking about how belters you know they shouldn't fear anything from the inner planets um and she's kind of talking about how belters need to rise up essentially um she signs off with with uh, the the new catchphrase of the belt which is remember the canterbury um which is a famous which is a famous phrase that ends remember up taking the off can't. remember the can't yep um the the station is is at a shift change and it's pretty lively or, going off their shift are kind of informing the people that are incoming, like the status of uh, the state of series station, kind of what's going on, what's, what's happening. Um, <clears throat> Miller and Havelock kind of note that there's like dozens of people like this, like this woman on the TV talking about how the belters need to fight back and rise up, um, which is, you know, a little concerning if that, if that tells you a little bit about where public opinion is right now, if there's dozens of people talking about how the belters need to rise up and fight back against Mars, um, you know, not a super good sign for the conflict between Mars and the belt right now and how that's going. Um, so the Canterbury has essentially reached like internet conspiracy status, which is super relatable um, to our current time. Basically, everyone's arguing over the uh, Miller dropped the log, I believe, of the Canterbury. I'm not entirely sure. I don't. He says that people are. Miller says that people are analyzing every frame. So I'm not sure if there's some sort of video that I think uh, Holden did send. Yeah, Holden sent is like all the data and video of like the Canterbury so getting blown essentially up. Essentially was filming or whatever. I guess yeah. the cameras were rolling as this happened. So people are analyzing every frame. Um, people are analyzing the logs. There are some people that say the logs are perfectly legitimate. Some people that say the logs are fake. Um, some people think it's a hoax. Um, so, you know, basically just like real life with anything, this is extremely relatable. Um, this is just the internet, but in the future. So this is what would happen probably right now if the Canterbury were exploded. Um, say like the U.S. and China. Say like a massive warship. Maybe not a warship. Say a, say a say that the Chinese supposedly blew up a U.S. commercial ship, and there were like logs of it. it this would be the exact yeah, response. Exactly. The U.S. Um, there would be people that are like, "This is real," and there'd be people like. This is the setup by the government. They want us to get into a conflict. So, yeah. Um, so that's what's going on. We learned that the riots have lasted on and off for about three days. Um, most of the shipping ports and offices with non-belters have reopened, but with security. Um, 
Miller has kind of noticed that as he's walking around the station, people stop talking uh, when he walks by because now they know he's a cop or people, you know, people know who the cops are now because they've been assumedly kind of patrolling a lot more and keeping the peace a lot more. Um, so he, he kind of notes that he doesn't like how he's been treated and how he feels like an other from the people of the belt, which uh, ironic. He doesn't like that. He doesn't feel like that, but he does. Yeah, very ironic. Um, uh, we we kind of learned that Havelock has been pre- treated pretty poorly by all of his coworkers and his boss and the people on the belt. Oh. Havelock just gets shit on in these early chapters. My like, poor guy. Really, I know. Um, like like people have been apologizing to Miller with apparently with Havelock within earshot about how like sorry like we had to put you with the Earther like it's we think you're great but yeah like I I don't know it, it's. He's just getting shit on over and over, basically. And he can't really go out because they don't want the Earther cop to go out. It's also dangerous. Um, yes, it's dangerous <laughs> for him, truly. Right, yeah. Um, and so Havelock's just been kind of cooped up in the office, doing paperwork, not able to go out. Um, and so I'm assuming if you're Havelock, you, you kind of feel like shit right now. Um, I would. And Miller and Havelock start talking. Um, Havelock kind of brings up Julie Mao, and and Miller's kind of like, eh, I haven't really looked into it yet. Um, however, because of this, Miller kind of decides, like, eh, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go do some work on on Julie, visit her apartment, um, and do a little digging on that, so I can tell Shadid that I am working on it. Um, however, before he leaves, Havelock lets him know that he has put in a request for a transfer. Um, which honestly, great Smart for you, Havelock. Get the fuck out of there, my dude. Um, he he has put in. There is an opening. He was talking to some of the protogen guys. He says, "Oh no, Earthers. um, <laughs> oh no, maybe not a good move. I see no problems here." <laughs> um, and they let him know that they heard about an opening on Ganymede for a lead investigator. Ganymede being one of the moons of Jupiter, I believe. Yeah, I mean. It's uh, um, it's where the girl. Funny, you know what's funny? I wonder if initially they were setting up to have Havelock be in the second book, because does, isn't the second book take place? Yeah, Ganymede? yeah, that's where they grow all the food, and yeah, where the yeah. second book so takes it's place. Actually, I, that's the one. The first thing I thought of was like, oh, I wonder if they were because because we do have Havelock return in a later book, but not the second book. So I was wondering if they initially thought maybe they were going to have him come back as like. Miller, but on Ganymede. So I, it, I noticed that, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." I wonder if they'd change plans at some point. Um, but yeah, so that, that was funny. Um, all, all, and then Miller's response to this is basically just like, "That's a good idea." <laughs> that's it. Like he doesn't like he doesn't say like anything else. He's just like, "Yeah, dude, you've got to fucking get out of here." Basically, like that's really all he can muster up at the time. Right. So yeah, hopefully have luck. Uh, hopefully he gets off. It will be really good for him because everyone hates him. Um, and no one respects him at his job, and he can't really go in public. Same because he's afraid of getting murdered. So, um, Miller visits Julie's hole, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to continue Stop. using that. <laughs> Every get out of his, get out of her hole, Miller. That's so creepy. Just—he's all up in her hole. He doesn't just go in the hole. He, he's exploring that hole. He's exploring uh-huh. the hole. He's Diving every in. crevice of that hole. Oh, Miller yeah. has been in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's learning a lot about her hole for sure. Too much, um, some might say. Her, from her hole, specifically. <laughs> so <laughs> it's awful. I hate it. 
I hate it. All right. Um, and Miller's kind of like talking about what her hole is like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, he he kind of like talks about the layout of this apartment. It's pretty standard. It's got like a living room when you walk in. There's a cot in a bedroom. The bedroom's not much bigger than the cot. Uh, and then there's like a bathroom with a sink, shower, and a and a and a toilet all within the elbows room of each other. So this is pretty standard construction, apparently. Um, pretty small, and um, I guess this is probably just like a one room standard apartment. Yeah, yeah. The first series. Um, he kind of comments on the 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 neighborhood, I guess you'd call it, about how it's just kind of terraced and there's hallways and there's built into the hole. He talks one thing that was interesting that he mentioned was that someone was flying a kite in the spin breeze, the constant spin breeze. I don't know what the physics are behind this. I don't understand why there would be a breeze. I mean, that kind of it's uh it's kind of like the Coriolis effect because like um it happens on Earth too. So like that's I mean, it's not like the main reason for wind because winds is like high and low pressure zones. But like part of the reason like weather moves one way is because um since it's spinning and since Ceres is spinning much faster than like Earth is, you will the air doesn't have the friction to the walls to spin at the same speed. So you will get um yeah, like an, a wind type effect because you're you're moving faster than the air is moving. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, I could see that being a thing, especially because it's moving quite a bit faster than like Earth is. Um, right, right. So yeah, that. But that is interesting. It's it's also interesting that it's like they must have really carved out these rooms to be able to like have space where you can fly a kite <laughs> in right. the no, in series. No, I mean, what from what I understand, from what I read, it sounds like there's like a there's like a bottom level, like there's a floor. Yep. And then it goes up in like terraced hallways. So like, um. You go like up the staircase, and then there's like that's like a layer of hallway essentially, and you can like walk away down or whatever. And I'm assuming there's staircases up and yeah. down between these. And then you go up again, and there's another level. So there's a big like opening in the middle, from what mm, I understand. That makes sense. How I'm picturing this, and then there's just holes off the walls into the side. Yeah. Um, All right. That's how I. That's how I view this. I'll allow it. Um, and that's how there's room enough for someone to fly a kite. They're assumedly they're lower on the terrace. Um, it's like. It says that the walls are carved out like diagonally, so it kind of faces out from the bottom. Also, so, maybe it's not the a. Wait, no, that wouldn't make sense. Never mind. <laughs> Scratch that. <laughs> that was a stupid thought. One thing I know is that these guys are super into like the science and the physics of all this stuff, so they definitely did research about this, and I guarantee <laughs> that there is a space. very specific reason about why this would happen. I just don't. I just don't know it. Unfortunately, because I'm not super smart about this stuff, but it's fun to think about. It's cool. Um, But yeah, so that's that's the kind of the structure of of her neighborhood. I'm calling it a neighborhood. They call it something else, like this wing of series or whatever. The whole hood. um, (laughs) Yes, the whole grouping. (laughs) (laughs) The whole cluster. The association of holes. Um, So he kind of walks in. He's like, "Oh, this is pretty minimalist. She doesn't have a lot of stuff. She's got." Julie's got her purple and brown jujitsu belts on the wall. He kind of mentions like, oh, it must be a tough, tough school because of two years ago from purple to brown. Um, so <laughs> assumedly, and assumedly she's been doing jujitsu for a while and she's pretty decent at it. And we kind of learned that initially in her prologue chapter. But um, he looks through her dress, dresser pretty immediately. So I was like, dude, you're fucking creepy. Um, but he finds the an OPA armband 
in her dresser that looks kind of unique. Um, he opens her fridge after this and, and takes a beer and drinks it. Like, he's got a serious problem with being weird, um, to be honest. There's also spoiled food, so she clearly hasn't been here in recently, um, seemingly. And then we get to, like, the real, real info here. He opens up her terminal, which... I'm assuming, I guess I don't have a good idea of what this thing looks like. It's, it's got to be some sort of console thing that is connected to her apartment in some way. But every, I'm assuming that all the apartments have a terminal of some sort where people I, can log in and keep I'm, files. I'm pretty um, sure that's just like her phone or like. Um, oh, really? You think it's more of like a. It's like all like connected. You carry with you? It's like uh, Google Drive. Yeah, it, because they, they, know, they, they mentioned it a lot. Her, wouldn't, she, wouldn't she have had it with her then? If it no, was no, like portable? Well. So I think you can like log in because they they mention it uh, they mention it all the time about them taking out their terminal or like um, logging in. I think it's like a cloud system. So it's like on your MacBook, you can like look at your iMessages type thing. Um, right. So you think that's it's it's more like a laptop and a phone situation, and he's just logging into her laptop. Yeah. So I think this call. terminal is like. A, kind of like a computer type thing in her apartment that like shows up on a screen. I but guess that's I, what I was thinking. And I feel like I, the way that they try and portray it in the show is more like a, like a central structure in her apartment. I think if I remember right. correctly, um, but yeah, I guess I don't, I don't really have a good understanding of this at the moment, but he, either way he logs in, uh, he starts kind of going through her files and messages. He kind of comments about how sometimes he thinks about, he realizes how weird this is, but then he's like, eh, I'm a detective. This is just what I got to do, unfortunately. Um, he is looking at her stuff. He's looking at her folders. He finds out that he likes to really point out these things about her uh, her love life, which is always funny. Uh, Miller finds out that she signed up for a dating service. Uh, low G, low pressure is their motto, which is a pretty good motto. Um, but that she never used it, which is extremely relatable. Extremely relatable. Um, he finds a folder titled bullshit guilt trips and he's like oh that one uh that one seems interesting and he opens that one up and she he reads a letter from her mom ariadne um about how they want her to come back and also they're gonna sell the razorback um because they it's racking up storage fees which is not a real reason for them because they're so ridiculously rich um assumedly being you know jules pierre being one of the ceos of the 50 like the top 30 or so companies in the solar system. Um, and this, this definitely pissed her off. And she's kind of like writing a few responses to her parents, trying to figure out why, how she wants to respond. Eventually she, she settles on the very impersonal and, you know, sh short response of dear Ariadne, do what you have to do. Miller kind of <laughs> loves this. He's like, wow, that was brutal. Like, he's like, man, they, they knew where to hit Julie where it hurts. They still want her to come home. They're trying to convince her to come home. Um, and she was able to, you know, contain it herself and just kind of rebuff them and try and make it hurt back as well. Um, and he thinks to himself like, wow, this is, if he does have to bring Julie back to her family, that it's going to be uh, a pretty shitty day for, for all involved. Cause I don't, he's kind of realizing that he doesn't really want to bring her back to her parents. <laughs> um, and there, there's essentially one last message in this folder from Jules Pierre, her dad, 
Daddy. And he basically orders her to come home. This is kind of the real, this is really starting to kick off some of the detective juices in uh, Miller's brain. He states that he has solid information that the belt is about to become very unsafe. Please come home now or something along those lines. Um, Miller notes that, you know, this, this really, he really gets interested in this because Miller notes that this message was sent two weeks before the Canterbury was nuked. And, you know, all those detective juices are firing. He's like, oh, is this a coincidence or not? <laughs> and uh, now the, you know, he's got the scent now. He's, he's really, this is the first real indication like, okay, maybe there is something up here and maybe Julie Mao is somehow connected to the Canterbury. Um, and he doesn't know anything yet, but he's going to start digging. Oh, he's, he's digging. Learning. Mm-hmm. So I did, I did look it up and they call the, they call their like cell phone type things, hand terminals. Um, okay, so, so I think it is terminal. like a, just a computer or like gotcha. maybe it's like That's screen cool. in their system, kind of how it's portrayed in the book, but yeah. Cool. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yes, sir. Yeah. So Miller finally is interested in the case. Cause he's like, Hey, some of these things are uh, adding up here. Finally. And I think he we didn't really get a lot of, you know, on a reread, you know, already the the direction that Miller is like just steamrolling towards. Like there's when you reread it, you're like, there's no stopping this train. But really, until this chapter, he's not he's not really on it. Um, Like like actually on the case, like, oh, really super interested in Julie. Um, or realizing that really that there's anything bigger going on. He's already interacted with, you know, the riot gear missing, which comes back in a big way later. Um, he's interacted with, we, f- we figure out through him and Havelock that the protogen people are rotating out of Eros. So we're learning things that once you on a reread, you're picking these things out and you're like, Oh yeah, we, you know, Miller's deeply involved in all this, but really he actually isn't until this point. This is where he decides like, oh, something is going on here. I'm going to try and figure out what it is. Yeah, he definitely he has all the pieces. He just needs to uh, put them together. Yeah. Um, so Holden. Our back. boy Holden and his crew back in the night. They're uh, three days into their their trip to intercept the Doniger, or I guess the Doniger is intercepting them, whatever. They, uh, it really describes how stinky they are because um, they don't have showers on the night because it's not really meant for long-term travel and it's pretty small. It's more, more of a shuttle ship. Um, Holden, taking interest in Naomi, points out how her hair looks, looks pretty nice still, even though everyone else's is all greasy and, and nasty. Um, so a little bit of a... You see Holden start to think about and talk about Naomi more here. Gets that uh, that love interest going. Uh, the team is all eating protein bars, uh, which Amos uh, generally points out as, uh, I wish I didn't have to eat something that looked like dildos. Good stuff. Good stuff from Amos there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Abe. That is, too, the first thing that I think of whenever I look at them. I hope they're bar. actually, like, round like that. Like, what if in, in the future they're like, all right, a bar... <laughs> A bar is not the optimal way to make this protein. We need to make it a shaft. Yes. <laughs> a uh, shaft you, of protein. You really got to be able to jerk it off. That's the only real way. <laughs> and then, and then there's, there's two extra clumps at the bottom because 
of the manufacturing process. I don't know. I hope that's what it looks like. Nutrients are stored in the balls. Everyone knows that. Yeah, so the morale is kind of low because they're <laughs> they're just all smelly and uh, and wow. eating eating protein bars. One of the worst. These are some of the worst depressive cycles you can have. No showers, <laughs> only protein bars. Not a good luck. All Not your friends luck. just died. <laughs> not great not great um relatable content from the expanse yeah Perfect. speaking 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 of all your friends dying um <laughs> naomi gives a little nudge to holden that he needs to he needs to go talk to shed because he is not doing good um yeah as i said earlier shed not taking the the news well that all his friends are dead um whereas she points out holden's been in the navy um, Alex has been in the Navy. Amos has had three ships go down under him, which I don't know how that happens, and he's still alive. Like, we're talking about space here, and th- these ships are going down, and Amos is still got whatever. Um, and Naomi is made of titanium, apparently holding jokes. But, uh, yeah, Holden is first like, um, I'm not really good at that sort of thing, <laughs> but uh, decides to do his captain duties and go down there. Um, and it's a good thing because Shed is kind of kind of going nuts here. He's he's going through the medical supplies and being like, "Why is all this genital warts medicine on the night and not back on the cant?" <laughs> uh, kind of weird. He's uh, he's he's trying to keep him, his mind busy um, and away from uh, from the the murders of his friends. Um, but Holden kind of shakes him back to reality here. He's like, "Yo, uh, all those people are dead." <laughs> And uh, we gotta we gotta get your head in the game because you're you're a doctor, man. Um, Shed kind of freaks out a little more here. He's like, "I'm not even a doctor. I'm just a tech," <laughs> which is great. It's more. I mean, it's not great, but it's it's more about how like everyone on the cant is not is not, uh, I guess, qualified, or they are qualified and did something wrong. Uh, so goes more to more to that. Holden's like. Yo, how about we all get drunk and cry together? And Shed's like, <laughs> wow. Shed is all Man, about it. People. He's like, can we really, please, <laughs> Dad? Uh, and Holden's like, so hell yeah, brother, let's do it. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty touching. Um, so Holden, Holden does do a good job of, uh, of comforting Shed, getting his head back in the game. Um, oh, Shed, you're sad. Let's get fucked up. <laughs> Yes, great. Let's that will be good. Not worry about our issues and get drunk. Mm-hmm. It's great. Everyone loves it. Everyone liked that. Um, so yeah, but Holden Holden brings him back, brings him back to Earth. Um, yeah, another short chapter here. So they say, yeah, they're gonna get drunk together. Um, and then a transmission comes in from the belt. Uh, it's from this dude named Frederick Johnson. I thought we'd. Most of this is about just breaking down who Fred is, so I thought we'd go into that. So Fred Johnson, he's an Earther, big UN Navy guy, rose to fame by doing a bunch of high-profile pirate captures, um, eventually getting promoted to uh, Corporal, and he was in charge of policing the belt, basically, basically in charge of the whole belt, um, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, Then Anderson Station happened, so Mm. Earth decided to put... um, some some sanctions on Anderson Station, uh, raising a three percent surcharge on any shipment goes that goes to the station, and so we already we already saw how like Belters react to like fucking with their their water and stuff. So uh, 
they were not happy even though this is a they point out this is a very small station like not much goes through here this is not a, a series type deal um but 170 belters decide uh yo we we ain't doing this and and take over anderson station um and demand the government uh guarantee no more surcharges and like treat people better fair <laughs> i guess and yeah, uh no, so they they kind of explain like they're the reason that it's like 150 people or 70 people or whatever is because the the surcharge for most people wasn't a big impact but for these few it didn't even impact a lot of people the, the charge was just enough to where they could not afford water for their whole station for a month they were going to have to ration water for like a couple days a right. month because of this increased the three or four percent increase in the cost of water for them so the reason they come to Anderson Station is because they are worried that they're going to die. Like, they are, they are not going to have enough water for everyone for the entire month on wherever they're from. I can't remember exactly where they're from. So they're, like, legitimately angry. And, you know, they're, they're looking at this like, this is kind of a life or death thing for us. Um, and it definitely becomes a life or death thing. Um, uh, big time. Big time. Because they, they, the UN calls in... Uh, mr frederick johnson to to come take care of this and fred just uh he does not have the tact of miller in the earlier chapter um he basically goes in and slaughters them all <laughs> uh and it's i don't know why he does this and it's it uh it's being broadcast good. live streamed <laughs> to everywhere oh, which is also brutal um i love broadcasting war crimes yeah i'm not really sure That's why great. he does this they also mentioned it takes like three days so it's like a three-day assault on these dudes um on just on, on poor belters without any real weapons i'm not sure why it takes three days i guess it just takes i think it's just hard to infiltrate i don't know yeah but they uh they do it and they massacre pretty much everyone um and it's not a good look for anyone here it's just uh it's pretty bad again it's being broadcast everywhere so they they can't really hide it um and yeah they slaughter all the belters uh so after this frederick's kind of like forced out kind of they like try to make him resign quietly but it's such a high profile thing like again it was broadcast everywhere that people are like uh no 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 we still hate you <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean, he's, he's essentially he's dishonorably discharged yeah like what happened basically yep but but not charged with a crime i guess right they're kind of like protecting their it's kind of like this <laughs> they're like uh they're protecting him kind of because he's like still an earther they're like Man, that was that was fucked up, but uh, that was something. But you did a great job out there. But, but we got the station back, so we're not gonna kill you, um, which is or even try you for a single war crime. Yeah, questionable, uh, questionable stuff there Classic. from Classic from Earth and yep. the owners of Anderson Station. The belt clearly. Why would the belt be mad at Earth? I don't know. I haven't seen one reason yet, to be honest. Yeah, I just, water, murdering 170 people. Yeah, you gotta no, do what you gotta do. No problems here. Um, but then, uh, so Frederick Johnson tries to like fade into obscurity. Um, then four years later, a, a similar situation happens. The the Palas colony, we'll call it, uh, has a revolt. A revolt um, because some refinery workers um, were unhappy with. Uh, with the working conditions, they were like uh, raising their hours, reducing pay. Yeah, um, unionized, baby. Yeah, trying. Yeah, 
they were yeah that type of thing um trying to make sure they were being treated right and uh getting getting the right pay and all that uh so we have a similar situation actually to the max we have 150k people on it so this was uh this was much bigger than anderson station um and a much bigger uh deal because you have all these people pretty pissed off um they're they're going ham out there and i don't I don't understand what changed. I guess he saw the wrong he did at Anderson Station. Um, but I also don't know how F- Frederick Johnson like still had like the resources to do this. Any but, sort of political capital? Yeah. Right. No, I'm also not sure. I mean, assumedly, he was like, he had already started to like integrate with the OPA, right? And he somehow emerged out of... There's not so, really because they mentioned so. how the belters hate him because he just slaughtered a bunch of belters. So yeah, I don't see years. This is years later. Uh, I don't know. It seems like they still hate him, but they did. But he somehow like I don't I don't see how that would change. Like if someone slaughtered, yeah, like a bunch of Americans at some point. I don't think four years later people are like all right, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, but the belt is more like a. I, the belt is is like hmm you know i don't that would it's a it's a colony right it's not like a nation it, it'd be like it'd be like um but same thing like you murder a bunch of I'm people i'm thinking about what i what i'm thinking about right now is like a is like a american colony situation so like say say like you had a british general who did some war crime and then but then he was he he eventually came to America, I guess, wasn't killed somehow and started working and like kind of like slowly worked on his reputation and started doing good things. I, I I guess I can see it over a long enough time period, especially if he's like really doing good things like this. I but I but you're right. It It is hard. It is hard to see how yeah. that path was. there. But I think that kind of speaks to Fred Johnson's political ability. Oh, yeah. And he's we, clearly, a- we learned quickly. That he is a political force. He's he's really risen. He's a boss through the OPA uh, organization, and yeah, he's also just dope as hell. So I mean, I think we, I think that's more of the message that we're supposed to take away here is like, this seems unrealistic, and it probably is for most people. But Fred is kind of a badass. Um, yeah, he is. Yeah, he. That's uh, my takeaway take from from this little fair. thing. Yeah, but he he basically does the opposite here. He like talks the metal workers down. He gets. Um, them to agree to give back the station and gets the earth agree to meet all their demands basically which is uh pretty inc- pretty incredible and like the yeah. exact opposite of what happened last time um so they he did get them to hand back the station peacefully the the belters got their demands and everyone was happy which is seems unreal but he really uh made some friends with the belt there he he rose even more in their in their eyes um and then as you I say think- Right. One other thing to I think that Anderson Station for Fred was a big, like, come to Jesus moment. Um, Jesus. When it talked, you know, referring to the belt Space and Jesus. the OP. I think maybe he, because clearly he was just like an Earther military guy at first, and he's just doing what he can to rise up through the military. And then he has some sort of, we don't, we, we kind of learn this later, but he clearly, like, sympathizes with the people in the belt and immediately after he the anderson station uh massacre he immediately starts trying to work for the the best interests of the belt 
So that's kind of his traje- trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty uh pretty badass. He's great. I love Fred. He does some Big good player stuff in the chapters and books to come. Major player and the savior of Holden and his team because without Fred, they're they're, they're going to be fucked in a few chapters. Oh, yeah. So actually, can we revisit the 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 trans the message from from Fred, Mister Fred? Yeah. Yes. So what exactly does he kind of mention in that transmission? Not nothing. No, he says. Uh, he says, hey, we've looked into this and those were not uh, OPA ships. And also that he's right. worried that Mars, basically what what uh, what Holden and his team are worried about are they're going to force them to say, hey, this wasn't Mars, could have been the OPA or something like that. And he's mm-hmm. also he's also worried about another. This is the, the first time he's kind of putting the piece together like Miller is about he's like, or it could be like somebody we don't know about trying to to start this war. Um, and basically explaining that he doesn't necess- he doesn't want a war, um, and that as a member of the the OPA, like they're not all trying to just basically start wars and do random chaos. He's trying to get a legitimate seat at the table with Earth and Mars and be respected. Um, so he does not he does not want a war to happen, um, and he believes that that Jim Holden is kind of holds a lot of power now because because of the message he sent and how people are like. I don't know. They just they just see him as a he like broke the news for the the cant. So he's like kind of a, a voice of authority there. He's a face to like the the martyr right with the ship. Yeah, like so right. He's like a he's reached a mythical status right now in the belt almost, which is we don't really know yet, but he we do learn about his status. Right. Um, so yeah, how people think about him. Yeah, so he's, he'd be valuable to have on on Fred's side. As yes. as trying to get a yeah. a seat at that table or a um yeah just <laughs> be able to not not go to war either I think right. everyone's trying to it's kind of funny because Holden's like this guy just like going around doing whatever he wants and everybody's like uh no stop that <laughs> like trying to like control him so he doesn't just like start wars and crap like uh-huh. you see this with Avasarola too later like trying to get Jim not to just. And just do stupid shit and relax. say Please things relax. that will start wars. It's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. So we learn, we learn immediately, like who, like Fred is very high up in the OPA. Like he's, he's the. Le- we learn that he's the. He's what does he call himself? The leader of Tycho, or is he like the CEO of Tycho Station, or or whatever? I can't remember exactly how he introduces himself. Well, he's the like head, yeah, guy in charge OPA of building head on Tycho Station. Yeah, something along. We learn that he's like really high up. You know, yep. He's one of the leaders in the OPA. Um, even though they're not a coherent group, he's one of the. He's a head of a big faction of the OPA, essentially, which is yep. the faction on Tycho Station. Um, so he's got a lot of clout. And a lot of influence um, on on Tycho, and that is, you know, that's why he ends up being an important figure moving forward. Yep. Yeah. So he he doesn't want the war to start. He's very worried about uh, outside outside force that uh, is trying to is trying to get this thing going. Um, so he gives Holden a a word to say for his next his next broadcast, which I love how. He's like, next time you publicly broadcast, he just knows Holden's gonna dispute shit out later. Yeah, uh huh. He's like, use the word ubiquitous, 
within the first sentence of the broadcast to signal you're not being coerced, uh, which is a pretty smart move. Um, yeah, to signal you're not being coerced, right? Because if you are being coerced, you're, they're going to give you something to say. So, yeah, exactly. Makes sense to me. Yep. Yeah, it's a solid move, um, which which does come in handy. Um, yeah, and then just goes on to explain that, yo, you you are a big deal now. Your voice matters. So, uh, yeah, he kind of wants him on his side. Basically, and, he just says, welcome to the fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Holden, Holden files that away. He gives him, like, broadcast coordinates to, to respond um, and also that ubiquitous thing. So Holden stores that info, deletes the message so that Mars doesn't go through and be like, yo, what's this shit? Um, and they, uh, they continue on their way. They don't contact them now. Cause as they said before, they can't really run from the Donager. They're, they're going to the Donager. Like, uh, they can't just split off and try to go to Fred. Um, because they will get either murdered by the Donager or just eaten captive anyway so they're they're in their bed and they have to yeah they uh, cannot run at the point where they're, they're close enough to the donager where they would not be able to outrun the donager right um, if they decided to turn around yeah so they, their their destination is set they they cannot turn around yep. now yep 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 so then we get the uh the tequila everybody's Ooh. sipping on that tequila amos is drowning nice. in shots yelling obscenities every time he takes a shot apparently doesn't repeat himself after 11, which <laughs> Amos is a big boy. It. We said we it before, we'll say it again. Tequila shot night. We haven't done one of those in a while, dude. We got to have one soon. Yeah, tomorrow. No. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, great. Sounds good. Apparently, uh, Alex is saying, who boy, after every shot, which I, <laughs> That's, I love. Sounds good. I love this content. I love this relatable content. I love his character. It's so good. Um, Naomi's just kind of sipping. Holding sip and he's staring at Naomi. We get more of this uh, so creepy sexual Relax. tension here. I love how he's like, "Oh shit, I've been staring too long." <laughs> There's four people on this ship. It's gonna be very obvious. Yeah, uh, not great. <laughs> yeah, he uh, thinks to himself, "Shit, I'm drunker than I thought." Um, damn it, Holden. Good stuff. Good stuff, Mister Holden. Um, <laughs> I love how he says he like zips down his shirt, and then he's like. <laughs> And he sees Naomi, like, look at him, like, uh, and he's like, oh, zips it back up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Mr. Holden. Um, yeah, so they, they just talk about uh, Colonel Johnson calling them um, and, and what to do about it. They, they suggest, like, Alex says, hey, why don't we go there right now? And uh, they're like, no, nah, we can't do that. We're going to get shot by the Donger if that happens. Um so yeah, and then just explain how they scrub the message from the the ship's memory, and uh, they're ready to ready to lock and load um, if they if they are forced to make a message or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then also talk about those ships flying at them on a and what they say is a kamikaze mission, because um, they assume like like the Donager is this unbeatable ship, like it's a massive Mars freighter. Like any any ships that get near it are gonna get demoralized by all their weapons like it'd, it'd be unthinkable for six ships from the belt to uh to overtake this thing so it's like it's just tiny little passenger ships yeah. from what they can tell like not anything big it, they're very small the donager is like noted to be like i don't know if it's noted yet it might be the next chapter yeah the next chapter. this thing is bigger than like most of the un naval it's, 
Matt, like the it's biggest, the biggest and the baddest ship naval they have. Too. Like this thing is the this thing is the top of the top. Yep. You don't get much more intense than this thing. Um, like even if you if there's a if there is some sort of hypothetical battle between the UN and Mars, like this thing, the UN's going to avoid this thing. They don't want to. They're not going like to fight the this plague. Um, that's that's what that's the kind of ship that we're dealing with. Like this is a scary, scary ship. Like the this is the classic, um, you know mutually assured destruction like you don't this is just a, this is a deterrent for mars as much as it is a weapon for them yep yep yeah the team's like why are they doing that we don't know and uh <laughs> keeps drinking so yep just going for it getting their crying in yeah so a big setup for the next couple of holding chapters mm-hmm. um we've now got the we've got the ships following we've got the Don getting closer to the Donager, and now we've got uh, a third group that Jim's interacting with. Yes, sir. Uh, Freddie Johnson on Tycho, the absolute boy. Um, and that brings us right into the next Miller chapter. Um, and these next couple Miller chapters are dense, is what I will say. There's lots of conversations, a lot of information that goes quickly. So these might go kind of slow, but I'm gonna try and get through them as best we can here. Um, so Miller is is in Captain Shadid's office. Um, he has brought up the Julie Mao case, and Shadid is very clearly not interested and a little ticked off uh, <laughs> that he's talking about this right now with all the rioting and the other stuff that is going on on series and in the wider belt and political sphere. Um, Miller is kind of mentioning like the timing of this message from Jules Pierre to Julie is kind of suspicious. It's pretty sus. Shadi's like, yo, I we're not we're not going there. We're not doing this. This is like a dumb mission, or this is a dumb request from a shareholder. You're gonna half-ass this. You're not gonna put much effort into this, and we're gonna send a report that you're working on it, and that's it. Nothing else. I don't want to hear anything more about it. And I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. And he walks out, but yeah, can't let it go. He really wants to continue looking into the Julie stuff because his brain, his detective brain is just still going off. Um so he he definitely is you know in his inner monologue he he is like okay I, this I, this is something I'm going to continue to look into. Um, Havlock's like you can look into it after hours for practice, and he's like yeah, hmm, practice right? <laughs> like he's like he's not currently obsessed with figuring out the Julie thing. Um, but he he is talking to Havlock. He kind of remembers that like Havlock's been kind of cooped up, not been able to do much, so he. Agrees to go with Havelock to look into uh, an extortion complaint from a local business. Um, and they end up heading down to this business. Um, it's basically, uh, if you've played Cyberpunk, you'll recognize it. It's a brain dance place. Like, it's straight yeah. up. They have custom rigs for interactive environments. So it's VR. It's brain dancing. It's, uh, you, you put the rig on your head, and you are in a virtual 3D environment. And it can be... Um, you know, it can be some, <laughs> some sort of experience, um, some sort of sex thing, some sort of fucked up sadistic <laughs> thing. There's, you know, the, the possibilities are endless here. Um, and that's the place that they're at. So Miller and Havlock go to talk to the owner of this place to talk about the extortion. The owner immediately is like, so did you catch this guy? Um, and Miller's like, no, that we're still trying to figure out who he is. And the guy's just like, I gave you his name and like he was on the camera. Like, what, what do you mean you were trying to figure out who he is? 
and Miller um, is, you know, he's kind of like, okay, he's got to explain. He's like, all right, all right. Uh, this guy clearly, you know, if we just lock, if we catch him and lock him up, he's not going away. There's going to be another person like him. Uh, we got to figure out what group he's affiliated with, who is closest, who he works with. Um, and until we figure that stuff out, there's no point in, in arresting him and locking him up for a little bit because there's just going to be another person that replaces him immediately because that's how organized crime works. Um, and the guy's like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, and the, the he asks the owner some questions. The, the owner of this store indicates that, yeah, this guy, he basically just asked for the, the same protection money amount as the last guy did. And Miller's like, oh, um, so there was, all, there was the last guy too, huh? And <laughs> the owner's like, well, yeah, that's just kind of the price of doing business. And so Miller's like, well, why did you call us here then if this is just how it is right now. Like what, like, is there something that's changed? And the owner basically indicates like, well, you know, the, the last guy was gone kind of left for a while. And so I thought you guys had actually cleaned it up and done something, but now this guy's back and now it feels weird again. So I called you and Miller's like, wait, 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 back up, back up, back up. The, the old guys stopped collecting the loca Griga, which is a different crime group around the thing. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, they stopped for about a month or two ago and, and they weren't collecting for a while. And Miller is like super caught off guard by this. He's like, that is extremely weird. Why would they have stopped collecting for multiple months? What is going on? Miller kind of asks about this. His detective sense starts going off a little bit. And the owner's like, yeah, you know, a lot of my friends too. They, they stopped having to pay their, their protection money, their, their racket money uh, over the last couple of months. And Miller's like, oh shit, uh, this is a little weird. And the guy's like, yeah, you know, we thought the cops did their jobs for once. And Miller's like, well, pfft. No way. Well, we have not done any <laughs> job. Uh, this is not, we don't know anything about this. Um, so again, there Miller kind of finally comes to the realization after the early chapters of figuring out, you know, why the the Golden Bow people hadn't re- retaliated against um, against one of their guys getting jumped. Why organized crime has been down, um, and why just general in general crime has been down on the station. And he finally kind of puts the pieces together like someone is coming in and taking out the organized crime groups on series like there there is something that is happening here that is there's some sort of fundamental shift happening to where the, all of the organized crime groups have lost influence or are getting removed from series. And this is where he finally kind of realizes that um and, you know, he, he realizes that this has been happening for a couple months um, before the Canterbury exploded. So he, he's still slowly putting pieces together. He, I don't think he's really connected this with other stuff. He still is just kind of like trying to put everything on a timeline as it relates to the Canterbury. So that is where Miller's brain is right now. Um, and then Miller kind of asks, like, so this new guy, who is he working with? And the owner immediately is like, you know, he kind of like his face hardens. He kind of looks away. He's like, well, isn't that your job to find out? And Miller's like, shit, he's not going to tell me. Um, Miller kind of knows immediately that he's not going to tell him. So Miller kind of thinks like, oh, so this guy is brave enough to tell, you know, to rat on the new protection, but he will not tell me who they are. That is interesting. Um, and he kind of moves on. They, they go to watch the security footage of the guy. His name is Mateo Judd. Um, and in looking at the security footage, 
uh, Miller immediately recognizes the OPA armband that this guy has on, which matches the OPA armband that he found at Julie's house or her hole. Sorry, her hole. <laughs> um, and this is too much of a coincidence. Something he's got to look into now. And he kind of mentions to have like, hey, have like, how about you uh, go home? I'm going to go do something. And I was like, oh, um, are you going to go talk to the OPA? And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go take a walk or, <laughs> you know, basically <laughs> like I'm just going to go see what I can uh, see what I can find out. And it's obviously not safe for Havelock to go and be a part of this conversation because he might just, you know, they might just like space him or something. They don't they're not, they don't like Arthur's right now or ever. So. We get a little bit of a of this jump ahead here and Miller is at an OPA bar. Um, he's kind of hanging out at the bar, assumedly, you know, looking at everyone kind of mad. He's kind of an old man with his fedora on. So he, he looks kind of weird, probably. He's had a few beers. Classic Miller. Can't resist. Um, and a man eventually comes up to him. He's got, he's, he's noted to kind of have an acne-pocked face, but also kind of look like he's about to be laughing at all times. And that's kind of how we get introduced to who this man is. Um, and the guy kind of sits next to him at the bar. He asks him if he's interested in joining the OPA. Uh, and Miller's, you know, he plays along. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's why I'm here. Um, and then he kind of like cuts to the chase. He's like, okay, do you know who Mateo Judd is? And he shows him a picture of him. And the guy's like, I don't know who this is. I don't have any idea. And Miller tells him his name. That's an important thing to, to note. Miller says, this is Mateo Judd. And he <laughs> says that he's running a protection racket uh, that is backed by the OPA. Um, and the guy, the other guy laughs at this. He's like, people say things, detective. It is detective, isn't it? So he implies that he knows exactly who Miller is. Uh, he's clearly well-informed. Miller kind of thinks like, oh, this guy sounds more educated than I thought based on his voice. So Miller doing some stereotyping here, which is classic <laughs> for this book. Um, and yeah, the Miller says that if the OPA is making uh, you know, a move on the organized crime groups, um, you know, he thinks that it would be better for theories if they, you know, if the security and the OPA, you know, have a dialogue and so that everything stays stable. So he doesn't, Miller's really not interested in the actual criminality of this stuff. He just wants to keep the peace and keep it stable for the most part. Um, this guy says that, you know, the OPA, we are not a criminal organization. We, you know, that's not what we do. We don't, we don't commit crime. Um, and then they, he kind of talks about a bunch of incidents where the <laughs> Miller mentions economic terrorism or something along those lines. And, and this guy kind of brings up a lot of times where Earth has unfairly taxed or treated the belt. Um, and it just paints more of a picture about how the belt is really just a colony and they are really not treated well or equally by Earth specifically, but assumedly Mars as well. Um, they talk about all this and, um, you know, Miller eventually just kind of like says like, so, so this guy isn't one of your guys. And, and no, basically he confirms like, no, Mateo Judd, not one of our boys. Um, we don't know, you know, he's not involved with us. So Miller immediately pivots like immediately. He's like, so do you know Julie Mao? <laughs> like he gets right into it after, after talking about this the Mateo guy. Um, and, and this, the man doesn't, uh, he's like, no, I don't know. I don't know Julie Mao. And, uh, he laughs at Miller for suggesting that he should know her just because she's in the OPA. He mentions that the OPA is much, he's like, do you know everyone in the security force? And Miller's like, no. He's like, well, the OPA is much bigger than that idiot. 
um <laughs> and that how could he know everyone and then um he he's kind of laughing and he walks away and as he's walking away he kind of like miller like don't come back here dude just don't do it it's not going to go well for you and that is the end of uh the conversation with the the man with the acne scars all over his face miller immediately feels like he made a mistake during this conversation or, or having this conversation uh he doesn't feel good about this um he's kind of thinking to himself about some of the stuff that he has learned or not learned from this conversation with this guy and he has one of my just such a great little quote from him again just like a classic noir detective quote that <laughs> i think about way too much he goes too many dots not enough lines. <laughs> I just love that so much. It's such a classic quote from him. Uh, oh, man. Too good. His detective brain is on uh, right now. And um, after kind of thinking more about this, he heads back to his apartment, uh, grabs another beer, thinks about Candace, classic stuff from him. But he also is thinking about Julie. Ooh. Interesting. A little, we're seeing a little bit of an internal shift of his focus here um he has a dream about a, a young julie which is you know i just want to point out Pretty not cool. weird this is normal most people would dream about young, people young julie just... <laughs> well to be fair the only pictures you've seen are of her younger so fair yeah this is why but, but also weird also no 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 i said it not weird oh not okay weird. you're right so yeah yeah my thanks. mistake you're right um, definitely not weird to dream about Julie in this situation, in this context. <laughs> um, and yeah, he dreams about her. The next day, he, he heads into the office after his unsuccessful OPA escapade. Um, and Havelock mentions that Miller looks like shit. Uh, Miller's like, I'm getting old. I'm drinking too much cheap beer. Like, oh my God, Miller, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, and after a little back and forth, Miller kind of comes clean and says like, oh, I didn't really learn much last night. I talked to the OPA. I, I guy wasn't he didn't really give me any info and then havelock upon hearing this is like uh yo uh i got some uh got some info for you buddy and miller kind of like you know he doesn't really havelock doesn't say that but he is like he kind of looks a little sus and miller's like why what are you doing what what is <laughs> going on here and havelock points to the big board with the new crimes which i guess is a police thing um <laughs> like look at this look at this brand new crime that was committed and um Miller, you know, immediately is like, oh, okay, what's going on? What's going on? And he looks at the board and a homicide, a, a homicide that happened last night is at the top of the list. The newest, the most recent crime that was committed, I'm getting, or the most recent file that was um, put in, I guess. And so at three in the morning, someone had opened Mateo Judd's hole and fired a <laughs> shotgun cartridge full of ballistic gel into his left eye. What? And so Mateo Judd has been murdered. Clearly, as a result of him meeting with the guy, the OPA yes. guy at the bar. Um, that is the obvious implication here. Um, and Miller's response to this is, well, I called that one wrong. And Havelock's like, what? What'd you call wrong? And Miller says that the, the OPA is not moving in on the criminals. They're moving in on the cops. Um, oh, baby. And I had to think about this one a little bit. What he's saying is that the OPA is acting like cops he, they are they are yeah. trying to you know they're they're trying to keep the peace as well they're trying to hold the line between um the people just rising up and rioting and freaking out as well 
So we don't necessarily know what that means yet, but it's clear that um, this guy meted out some justice uh, within the OPA with, you know, obviously not involving the security force. Yeah, so like so. the, the op- it's clear that the OPA doesn't want, or I should say, like there's all sorts of factions of the OPA, but the, the main OPA doesn't want a war as well, or doesn't want, I guess, people to die unnecessarily as well um, yeah. with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is crazy. Also, ballistic gel in his hole to in the face. Hole. Ballistic gel straight in the hole. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. had to repeat that. Um, <laughs> important. Make sure that'll, that one. that'll come up later. <laughs> no. Yeah, ballistic gel, I guess that's what they... The rounds um, in guns in space are either plastic or, or gel. In this way, yeah, and they don't want uh, holes in the ship or anything, they, right? It's so that they shoot, they they can pierce and and go through bodies, but they're unable to go through metal. I guess is what the implication yeah. is. Um, Which I don't know if that. I, I guess there's a uh, that would work. I guess there's. I, it, it seems like it's it's feasible that there would be you'd be able to create a round that would go through humans, but not a ship, but also like. Like, they say they make it out of plastic, but I'm not sure that helps that much. I don't know. Like, Yeah, I don't know either. Because, um, like, the weight... It still has to be able to go through a human. So, yeah, it's just... There's probably a, a pressure at which you can, like, shoot something through a human, but not, like, metal, depending on what the metal's made out of, but... That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if, like, the... A ballistic gel... Shotgun cartridge. Like, I wonder if these things, like, oh man, I don't know. I actually don't know. I don't know how this would work, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's weird. It, 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 it killed him. So, let, those things came out at like a really high speed uh, to go through his brain, essentially, but not enough speed to go through the walls. Which yeah, you I, would think. Um, I mean, so I could see it going through like meaty stuff pretty easy. Right. Like, it's, it's right. really easy to stab through me. <laughs> sounds i sound like a serial killer now but <laughs> but I, i'd imagine you'd have to be better with your shots because i'd imagine if it's not going through a spaceship like it maybe it doesn't go through your skull or maybe it doesn't go through uh right yeah that's i guess the like bones bone. yeah maybe so right maybe you have to hit them good like in the eye um mm-hmm. but yeah it's interesting it's interesting that they like thought about this they're like all right we'll use these rounds on the spaceships so right. so we don't right. uh shoot holes in the ships which makes we need tons of sense we need there has to be cops on space space cops that needs to be a thing <laughs> and yeah so and the one thing i'll note is that the i didn't mention the name of the guy the opa guy that he was having a conversation with we know who it is if you've read this book before but uh they don't actually he don't, we don't actually know we don't actually learn his name in this chapter we learn it right. uh in the future miller doesn't know anything Some could say the close next future. chapter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's great stuff Miller going hard again. Miller just continually going hard. And honestly, this chapter is good. Um, and he's making progress. Um, the next the next chapter is where he really, really makes some progress. So I'll leave you guys with that little cliffhanger before we continue. Yep, 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 yep. So back to Holden. The team has finally gotten to the Donager. Um, the night... I spelled the knight uh, with an N instead of a K here. Um, is docking with the Donager. We'll get we'll get again more into the Donager in our in our space uh, Progen Labs report. Um, 
But they, they mentioned it takes over an hour to dock, which seems weird and unnecessary. They're really trying to get the sense of time here. Um, I don't know why that it takes so long. Seems, seems too long. Um, but they eventually do. Holden's given instructions to the team, like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna be real nice, real, real nice and polite here, so we don't get murdered or have any trouble with the Martians, and Alex gives a little, uh, quip of, uh, yo, they just murdered the captain, and we're gonna just act like that's all cool and dandy and do whatever they say, um, but, but does comply, um, you don't have a choice. You got it's the Martian military, and we learn quickly about how intimidating these guys are. Um, yeah, they come. They come fully armed. Assault rifles pointed at them. Uh, multiple Marines when they meet them in the the airlock, ready to do like guns, like fully pointed at them and ready to go. So they're not they're not fucking around. <laughs> and fully fully armored too. And yeah, like this might be a this might be a lab report that we get to in book two. Two because of one of the characters in book two. But they're, it's implied that they have, like, for what I picture, I guess, are, like, armored spacesuits, right? Yeah. Like, it's a it's They're, a like, mech suit. suits. They're, yeah, it's, like, it's almost like a mech, right? They give right. them super strength. They stop bullets. Um, yeah, they're they're basically superhumans. So it's like uh, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare uh, type, type stuff. Yeah, like, if you have, like, one UN Marine or Martian Marine in their suit... Like, they're fucking up a group of, like, 100 people. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way that group of 100 people is going to survive against, like, one mm-hmm. Martian Marine or UN Marine in a suit. So that is, like, the danger level here. These You do not, you do not fuck around Mars. with Marines. Yep. Yeah, not fucking around. Holden shoots them a smile. Uh, they keep pointing the guns at them, though. <laughs> captain Yao is there. Uh, so the whole captain of the ship, which is a pretty big deal, is there to meet them. And is, is pretty cordial. Uh, but Stern is like, welcome to the Doniger. Basically, take him to their habitats. Habitats. <laughs> By Lieutenant, not Dan, but uh, Kelly. So they don't go down with Lieutenant Kelly, who's going to be important in the story, to their uh, to their habitats. They're like, all right, here's your room. And it's it's pretty big um, and kind of not like it's not it's not a prison cell, um, but it's also not uh, the Hilton Hotel. Like uh, uh, it's just a nice room. They have some crass couches, a bathroom. Um, some stuff going on so they're not they're like pseudo prisoners here like they they obviously can't leave and they are prisoners but they're they're not being treated like total war criminals uh yet um they do have armed guards outside their door so one could say they're being treated like uh criminals but uh i guess they're not being treated badly is what i'm i'm trying to point out or like horribly uh like their pursuit their assumed uh guilty they have um, not been thrown in the brig. Right, right. Holden then is taken away by Lieutenant Kelly um, to be to be interrogated uh, by Mr. Lopez, who's a intelligence officer. Uh, so you get to see some some cool stuff here. Uh, Lopez takes a takes a drug, um, and it's it describes his like focus. He's intensely focused. His pupils like um, contract, and he's like super locked in. Um, so some sort of uh, attention drug. I don't know. If like some sort of Adderall or, or something, yeah, spicy, but he's spicy Adderall is what comes to my mind. But he's he's locked in. He's ready to go. And Holden's like, oh boy. Um, so we he, are super dilated. We get a lot of exposition of, about who Holden is, which we kind of discussed before. So that um, so Holden's asking about, yo, you were in the military before. Holden's like, yeah. 
Uh, he asked him why he was dishonorably discharged, and Holden goes into how he punched the uh, his commanding officer, uh, or tried to, and hit the bulkhead and hurt himself. Um, and uh, Lopez like, why'd you do that? And he's like, I was projecting on self-loathing. Um, he was classic. Yeah, classic, classic Holden. Um, yeah, so basically Holden explains how he he didn't like how. Uh, the UN was treating the belt, or like, I guess, yeah, other people in the belt. He was tired of being the boot, um, and the officer was like, so you went and joined the belt? He's like, no, I just, I didn't want to play the game anymore. I want to get out of the game, not uh, not join the other side. So he's he's still still in Montana. They explain how he's the, the son of six parents. Eight. Um, eight parents, whatever. I think we explained that before. Or um, from Montana, because there's... Uh, Five dads, three moms. Five dads, three moms. This is the future liberals want. <laughs> they, uh, dude, the tax break was unbelievable. Yeah, but the tax, the tax break. break. So in the there's obviously an overcrowding problem on Earth. So like, uh, to to have a child is is pretty rough. Holden um, says that there are thirty billion people on Earth, which is a lot. It also speaks to how later we learn there's multiple siblings of Mao. The Mao, uh, like Julie has has sisters and brothers yeah um which uh, which i guess speaks to their wealth that they're able to just like have whatever child they want they're um, also on, on luna though i don't the, i know that luna is technically they have earth citizenship but maybe they maybe the i don't know maybe it doesn't matter be. as much on, on the moon not entirely sure actually impossible to tell uh really? <laughs> but uh but yeah you get you get more backstory about holden that we that we went through um and then during during this uh, during this interview, it kind of gets cut short. You hear you start hearing like uh, torpedoes being fired, and Holden's like, uh, "What's going on?" And then like klaxons sounding, and Holden's like, uh, "Shit, are are they firing back at us? Like, do these ships like are they trying to do damage?" Which would be massive because again, they thought like the Donager would just take these ships out like miles away. Like they wouldn't even be able to like see the donager and the ships would just be gone because that's how powerful of guns the donager has and mm-hmm. how unbeatable it is um so the fact that there's like alarm sounding and you can hear like torpedoes firing and stuff is is a little concerning um and it's it's concerning to lopez too so they they're just like all right uh, we got to get out of here um and they take holden back to the quarters with the rest of the crew um back at the rest of the cl- with the rest of the crew in that in that little room uh shed's like freaking out as always he's definitely unable to keep it together the the least of out of all these people um because they can still hear the clacks and sounding and uh alex is like alex being the ex-martian guy like knows like the sounds of everything they're like oh that's the uh defense system starting up uh we better uh get ready to do some shit so they all get in crash crash couches um and continue to be like what the hell is happening? Like again, I can't stress how like big a deal this is that the Donager like this was supposed to be the Donager just like presses a button, everybody's still like sipping coffee, and those ships are gone. But uh, the fact that there's a f- actual fight going on is um, like ten minutes ago would have been like unthinkable. Yeah, uh, Alex here mentions that that one of the alarms that he hears is the alarm for QC uh, close QCQ, quarters close quarters combat, mm-hmm. uh, which is unthinkable right because it's uh, weird that ships would get that close these ships get close enough and he then he mentions that 
this is probably the first time that a lot of these Martian naval people have seen close quarters yep. of combat. There hasn't actually been a war um, between Earth and Mars ever at this point, right. from what I understand. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just been a Cold War type situation. So um, he, he mentions how odd of a situation this is and that this is probably the first actual QCQ that, that any of these people have actually been in. Right. Yeah, it, it gets nuts because, uh, yeah, they start hearing um, rail guns and, uh, and other things going off. And it's uh, they're they're getting they're getting pretty freaked out. Um, and then they, the lights flicker on and off and they're like, oh, that's the how do you say this word? The Gus and turrets, Gus and turrets, turrets, which are, are just, I guess, ballistic turrets that they're like actual shells not really explosives um which are apparently used in uh in close range battle um so, yeah and these are it's described that these are actually the, so what what's implied here with these gosters is that these ships are now close enough to where they don't have to use computers to fire they're actually having people just aim yep. at them like that's how close they are now and that's different than like you know what our concept of close is they say like hundreds or thousands of kilometers like it's, they're obviously very far away still but um, I think they're pretty close because I say like, uh, or maybe it was tens or hundreds. I'm not entirely sure. They're 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 yeah, very close. Um, but they're close enough to use the closest range turrets on this ship. Is, right is you know the implication. Right. Uh, but then the the big the big deal that happens here. They look over and sheds. Uh, there's a hole where sheds head used to be in the wall. <laughs> in a big ball of blood uh getting sucked sucked out into the vacuum um of space which is pretty nuts pretty nuts really bad news so yeah a piece of shrapnel <laughs> or some sort of gun or some sort of bullet pierced the like a wall. big bullet the size of the head like a bowling ball yeah like a bowling ball came through took shed's head with it and we have two holes on either side of the room that they're in um and uh clearly the ship's hull has been breached so there it's vacuum out there and now their atmosphere in their room is slowly being sucked out yeah and that's how we get left another cliffhanger of just like an oh shit moment yeah uh Um, they are not in a good situation here love it a classic classic end for one of these chapters yeah that's a good uh, learning about the the martian military getting introduced to how they function is is fun in this chapter um and then they immediately get wrecked um super wrecked it's like the titanic you're like it's not gonna Titanic. yeah so we have um another famous occurrence from this first book that gets referenced a lot later which is this downhunter fight um and we won't learn about how it ends until a little bit later Mm -hmm. very interesting yeah but um I, i will just we just have to mention you know R.I.P. to our boy Shed. He was a great man. Uh, he lived a good life. Um, and yeah, he has. He's just so dead. He's so dead. It's ridiculous how dead he is. No head. His head is just floating through space. It's probably just kind of a pulp now. It probably doesn't really. His head probably doesn't really exist anymore. Um, no. It's just totally, totally exploded. So yeah, that'd yeah. be pretty brutal. Um, he it's was. Amazing. If I'm gonna pick somebody to die, though. <laughs> I <laughs> like you got it, man. He's the worst one. Uh, more be he has the least amount of skills. 
that would be helpful. Although the doc, I mean, a doctor, they there's their time when they need a doctor, but um, he's not even a doctor though. That's the thing. Yeah, he's, he's just a tech. Not like a, he didn't go to doctor school. Doctor school. He went to doctor <laughs> school. Yeah, he's uh, he's just a tech. He's doesn't have the composure of the rest of the crew. Um, I shouldn't really undersell that. I don't mean to offend non-doctors. Do you obviously. not go to doctor school? <laughs> you haven't even been to doctor school. Yeah, he uh, hasn't even been to doctor school, so I, I agree he deserves to die. That. <laughs> that, that As a result, we can only conclude that he must die. Yeah, he was but definitely yeah, the red well, shirt of this group. Uh, yes, he absolutely was. Yes, if you didn't realize that, it was. it's very clear now. Like, oh. <laughs> I hope it's clear. Yep. He's the one that if anyone else is going to go. Yeah. It was him. He also had the least, like, mental capacity to handle this stuff. Yeah. Which, to be fair, most people probably wouldn't, but. Oh, for sure. Like, he's, 99% he's of people in this situation would be doing exactly what Shed is doing. Like us, um, we would not be doing well. Um, no. Most people wouldn't, but these are, you know, this is a book, and these are our main characters, so yeah. they're fine. We can't have them like that. Nope. We need the they top have, 1%. They have brains of steel, baby. Mm-hmm. Nothing affects them, even constant death around them. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, so that's the end of that um, fun Donager chapter. We go back to our boy Miller, and I love this chapter so much. Um, we learn a lot. We learn a lot, so buckle up. There's a lot of talking in this chapter, too. Um, Miller is at the Distinguished Hyacinth, and he's thinking about some of the shit he's seen and how, you know, how badass he is. But that he, oh, he's never seen the start of a war. Um, and he's just eating breakfast thinking about these things because that's what he does. Um, an announcer on the TV broadcast that he's watching says that uh, the explosion was likely a failed attempt to connect a nuclear device to the docking station. Officials from Mars have referred to this incident as alleged terrorist action and refused to comment further. So clearly things are starting to heat up uh, between the belt and Mars. There have been multiple explosions and attacks on Martian ships and docks, um, assumedly by belters in some capacity. Um, Havelock pops up behind Miller and says, oh, another one, huh? So we kind of get the implication that this has been going on for at least a few days or a week, maybe, um, since James Holden's broadcast went out. Um, Miller apparently asked Havelock to meet him at the Distinguished Hyacinth before they, they go into the office. Um, Miller asks him to if he will cover for him for a few days because he wants to look into the Julie, the Julie Mao case more. Havelock kind of immediately is like, what? Um, why, dude? Why would you want to do this? And he's also wondering how he could possibly cover for him because apparently the Star Helix has all access to all their medical records at the same time, like all the time, which really would suck. That seems like a big worker privacy I mean, issue. I, it's kind of where we're heading towards, though, right? Because like right now yeah. we already get like you get bonuses if you like share um, just like how much you're exercising your steps. You're like or if you go get a doctor's report and is the that, company is that has how access that works at your job. Yeah, like I get um, wow. if I log yeah. my steps, what food I'm eating and what else? Something else. Oh, sleep. I can get um, bonuses or like basically money um, for giving them that info. So well, I can imagine a world where either it's like they give you so much money or like like me, I'm doing it because I'm getting money and I like like I'm a healthy dude. So like it's, they're not going to like charge me more. 
Um, but I can see a world where that's either compulsory or you are offered so much money for that that it's like you basically you it's like you have to do it. You don't do it. Yeah, uh, that's fucked up. Um, that seems really fucked up to me. It's definitely so, concerning. I don't like that. I definitely don't like it either. Thing that you that you do. That's I don't like that at all. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, that's we're just we're clearly just rocketing towards this. So ten years from now, this is gonna uh, be a thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's also, I mean, a lot of medical records are online now. Like all my medical records are online. Yeah. So there's still like we're still a <laughs> long way from I mean, that, but like illegal. it's still illegal to access someone's right. You have to give health information unless, but if you give, but it again, like yeah, legal. like if, then it's fine. If someone just gives it legal, if someone gives it willfully, then it's not against the law. Which is yeah, if the company's like, but I could also see if see this is why I guess we're we're going off here. The like. So this is with like private healthcare though, right? So which is obviously the future that they're in. That they're so the companies yeah, want this information yeah. so they know how much they can like charge because they're like an unhealthy person's more likely to use it. So right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. The it's other, I guess the other aspect of this, I think, is the fine tangent. It's fine. That's what we're doing. <laughs> um. Oh shit! What was I gonna say? Um, oh yeah, but also like it should. It's illegal. Assumedly, it's illegal to fire someone based on, like, health. if they're healthy or unhealthy. Hmm. Uh, you know, in, in air quotes. Like, if someone eats McDonald's all day every day, you can't fire I, someone because of that. Right. That is true. But I've also seen. I think it's the same kind of thing with like, what's that software that measures like how productive you are? Is oh that God, part of I Microsoft? Um, I don't know what it is. But, but that's like kind of the same thing. They're kind of like. Like the point of that software, so how I've had it explained to me is it's like, well, it's not like meant to be like sent to your boss and say, yo, you were like 50% productive this week. What's going on? It's supposed right. to be like for you, but also that data is out there. So like somebody yeah, could, obviously. your boss could be like, right. uh, well, since you were only 50% productive for this, whatever year we're letting you go or not giving you a raise or something. So right. Or we're only giving you, we're lowering your salary or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Which like. is not the future. <laughs> Or, oh, we're letting you go because you're not a culture fit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So just concerning stuff. I love capitalism. It seems like we're going in <laughs> this a great is direction. definitely very, uh, yeah, capitalistic. But also, it's, yeah, it's kind of weird because Earth also has a, uh, they have a UBI, we learn later. Well, yeah, I don't know if this is. But there is also still billionaires and, well, more than billionaires. Like, presumably Mao's worth, like, trillions almost like it's right, implied like the money the, the amount of inflation that's got to have happened if there's 30 billion people on the planet and yeah. it's a few hundred years in the future I, it's got to be totally on a different scale than yeah. what we can understand yeah it's an interesting it's, it's like an interesting economic environment yeah obviously earth does have ubi because they have too many people and if people were going hungry they would you have so many people you would just murder everyone can i mean they would say... be able to kill everyone there's so many billions of people like you, I don't, so maybe I've had people ask me what UBI, UBI is universal income if we didn't say that. So basically oh, everybody yeah, gets a statement. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On um, earth, they, everyone receives, you don't, you don't need like a the, job on earth. Yeah. You receive enough money to live from the universal basic income on earth. The situation that they describe in a later book is that like jobs are hard to get on earth. Like people want jobs, but you have to apply and there's like lines of like thousands of people to get these jobs because there's not enough to go around and um people 
like people want something to do. (laughs) So um, that is the weird situation that is described on earth where like, it's actually hard for the common person to get a job. Um, Even though they have enough money to survive. um, It's still very difficult. There's still, I don't know. They describe it as like, there's not, yeah, there's not enough jobs, but also they still describe it as like, you don't, there's still a lot of people who don't want to work or like, yeah, pursue other absolutely. things absolutely because um, like that's like the big difference between earth and mars is mars is like kind of like the society you have now if like if you're not working like you are a loser if you don't want to work you're lazy then- yeah right you're like you're not if you're not productive then you and you don't contribute to the martian goal of terraforming mars which again mm-hmm. we learn about a lot more in book two um then you know why are you there what, what are you doing um, you are kind of worthless to the society. So, my life. Yeah. Which is changing, and again, we'll get into all that later. But, okay, um, to kind of get back to where we were, um, which I can't even remember where we were. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> oh, he, Miller's trying to get out of work. Miller, yeah, 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 right. Miller asks, um, Miller asks Havelock to cover for him, and Havelock's like, well, they have your medical records. Um, how can I do that? And Miller's like, eh, tell him... Uh, Tell him Candace came by and I, you know, I'm, I've been drinking for a few days um, and have like, hmm, and you think they're just going to believe that? And you also want them to think that about you? And Miller's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and yeah, that's, um, Havelock's like, okay, I guess, um, I guess I can do this. And they kind of look, the, the TV kind of comes back and they can hear it again. And then. There's someone on the on the TV in a Martian suit kind of talking about more Mars vandalism. Um, and and Havelock kind of points out what uh, there's a you know, there's a pretty big white elephant in this room. White elephant. White there's, elephant, elephant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's gifts all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, that and that is that like what like what where is Earth right now? What how how has Earth not butted into this situation at all? Why are they so silent here? Miller, it's funny where there was, you know, Miller not understanding why Havelock couldn't see what was going on earlier. This is kind of a reverse situation where I think Havelock is kind of right here. Like, what is Earth doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and Miller's like, what do you mean? Why would Earth be involved? This is not really an Earth problem. And Havelock's like, no, no, no. Earth would love Earth loves getting involved in all this stuff. It is a little strange that um we have heard nothing uh from the, the UN about yeah. the situation between the belt and Mars. And I agree. I agree. If there's three yeah. big factions in the world and two of them are about to go to war, it's weird that the third one hasn't said anything. I think it's cool how uh the so the sh- the show does a better job. They introduce Avasarola Avasarola I can't even say it. Avasarola Avasarola <laughs> Avasarola. Avasarola. Um, Avasarola. Avasarola. Whatever. Um, into the basically into the first season. So you kind of see what Earth yeah, is she thinking. She's yeah. trying to prevent a war from their side. Um yes. and so that's presumably is what is happening. But it's also weird because you yeah, you you realize later that Mao is the one trying to trying to do all this this crap. Um and right. is in cahoots with the, the Earth government, so but yeah, it yeah, don't know it is cool. Yet. So um they Miller and Havelock talk a little bit more and then essentially say goodbye for a little bit. Miller's like, all right, I'm I'm going in, I'm going dark. And uh Havelock, all right, fucking see you, dude. Good luck. Um and Miller begins his quest to find Julie Mao. <laughs> to get drunk. 
Yeah, and to get and to drink a lot. Uh huh. That's it's really great. And he's having to have a lot of cover, so he doesn't have to go into work. And it doesn't really work like this in real life anymore. So um anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, assumedly back in the day what? when there weren't phones and you couldn't your boss couldn't just text you and be like, Hey, what's up, dude? Where are you? Um, after one hour of not being in the office in the morning. Like, I don't know, maybe your coworker gonna be like, Oh, I I heard from him. He's out of town. I I don't know. I don't know. I think it's like, more of a yeah, like a hmm. I don't want to say like union type thing, but like definitely, yeah, no, like I, cop type thing. Like, definitely could be that too. They're and willing to ignore it for, yeah. It's a little different when we don't, we, you know, we both have desk jobs. So I don't think it's giving away too much about us, but you know, it's different than like, you know, a, an, a police officer's job is not necessarily something where you're just like tracked where you are at all times. Cause obviously those guys are out on the road a lot. Yeah. Um, they're not necessarily just sitting at their desk or expected to be, you know, available and at their desk all the time. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I, it's probably a little bit of a different culture than what we know and are used to. So right. I, I think that's probably a little bit of it too. But uh, yeah, so, so Miller begins, uh, begins his journey here uh, off, off solo, off the map. Uh, he, his first stop, he goes to Julie's jujitsu gym and he talks to her, trainer um who i think he just assumes is his trainer or the 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 head of the gym i guess um this is an interesting conversation he he basically just like yo i'm on an official investigation into julie mao um she's not in any trouble her parents want her found and so i'm looking into her that's the official word on this and the guy's like oh do you have a warrant and miller's like uh no no i don't have a warrant um and he's like i could get a warrant if i wanted to because it is official um, but if I do get a warrant, then my boss knows more and I have less room to maneuver here. Um, and the reason that I don't want to do that is because I'm actually worried about Julie and I want to help her. And the guy's like, okay, so if you want to, you want to figure out what's going on with Julie, um, but you don't necessarily want to get a warrant, but will you get a warrant? And Miller's like, no, I probably won't get a warrant. Mm-hmm. Um, so the guy, you know, the guy, the choice is on the guy on this gym guy to basically be like, okay, do I want to share information with this guy or am I going to shut him down? And he basically decides like, okay, I'll, I'll give you some info or I'll tell you a little bit more about Julie. Um, so they go back to his office and the guy IDs Miller. He's like, Hey, show me your ID so we can confirm that he is who he says he is, that he is a detective um and miller kind of goes into a little bit more like her his family her family wants her back because they think she's in harm's way and that miller he himself doesn't have any reason to doubt that assertion at this point so he also essentially thinks that she's in that's in some sort of danger um the gym owner he kind of reveals that he through like a comment that he kind of knows who her family is because he says like oh her family on luna and so Miller's like, oh, he knows who, where, who she is, um, or, you know, who, where, or, you know, what air she's, a part, or what empire she's a part of, essentially the business empire she's a part of. So he just kind of tucks that away. Um, so he, he kind of notes that they're pretty close based on this is, is my assumption here. Um, and then the gym guy is still a little leery, but he, Miller kind of gets out of him that he, that he might know someone who knows where she is. Um, 
Miller asks if she has any close friends and the guy's like, no, she also doesn't have any like boyfriends essentially. Um, and Miller's like, Oh, that seems weird. And the guy's like, why? And Miller's like, well, she's, she's pretty, she's smart, <laughs> she's competent, she's dedicated. So oh my I don't God. know why she would be single. And the guy's like, okay. Oh. <laughs> it's like, all right, uh, I get it, dude. Let's relax a little the bit. Cringe. Pants. <laughs> like, let's move on. But yes, she was pretty single. Um, and honestly, Julie, relatable. Classic millennial here. Um, so <laughs> the one thing he does know is that she worked on a light freighter. And they were not on a regular route. And that they picked up jobs as they had them. So this is just the, you know, this is kind of clearly implying that she worked on a ship that did jobs for the OPA. Like that, that is the clear implication that I got from this little conversation. Um, Miller doesn't note that that's what he thinks, but I, it seems pretty clear that that's what the implication is here, in my opinion. Um, and that is the, the end of this conversation. The guy doesn't know what the freighter was called, where she is right now, but he does say that he will ask and try and figure out this info for him. So that is the cut out of that scene. Um, so Miller doesn't learn a whole lot. He learns a little bit from this interaction but the direct interaction after this is extremely important for miller's arc in this book in my opinion and kind of the route that we start going down here um miller is back at his uh his hole <laughs> and we learn that there's been some sort of attack on a station called phoebe station um and there's not much known about this attack yet but no one has claimed responsibility um, and Miller is starting to think that based on the amount of attacks that are happening in the belt and in Mars, that it's just a matter of time before Mars really declares full on war, um, which is what basically no one wants at this point. Um, he he's he's back in his apartment thinking about Julie while this is while we were learning this from a news thing in the background um, and his doorbell goes off. Interesting. Um, the. The guy from the bar earlier, the guy with the laughing, the smiling face and the acne scarred face uh, is, is at the door. And he says that he thinks that they may have gotten off on the wrong foot the other day. Uh, and Miller's like, well, who are you? And the guy says his name and his name is Anderson Dawes. And he says that he is the series liaison for the Outer Planets Alliance. So this guy is essentially the leader of the OPA on series is, is what we now know. Um, so he is a very important character in this book and we are going to get a big old info dump from him here. And big boy. it's really great. Miller lets Dawes into his hole. Um, <laughs> Daw <laughs> Dawes asks for a favor immediately. He, he, he notes the Miller is immediately like, oh, shit, I wish I hadn't been drinking so much. There's like beer bottles and like it smells like beer in his apartment. And he's like, fuck, I wish I was sober right now. <laughs> so God damn it, Miller. But um, Dawes is like, I, I need a favor from you. Uh, and that and I'm willing to pay you in information, not in money, but in information. And I was like, OK, let's hear it. And Dawes says, stop looking for Juliet Mao. And Miller's like, what? Fuck no, absolutely not. 
And Dawes like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, hear me out, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> um, and Miller, uh, he immediately thinks back to the gym owner he talked to, and he's like, shit, that gym owner guy must be OPA um, if Dawes is here at my apartment right now. And Dawes continues, and he's like, Julie, Julie Mal works with us, um, but we don't know where she is. Uh, we're looking for her. And we need to be the ones that find her. You cannot find her first. Um, Miller is is buzzed. Um, probably a little bit more than buzzed, honestly. Um, and he doesn't really have a sharp response, but he can feel one in his brain, which probably would be there. Um, some sort of reasoning about this. But he, he can't really think of anything to say right now because he's drunk. Dawson is like, you are one of them, detective. The inners pay your salary and um basically making it clear that like the optics of a of an earther paid cop finding julie right now will be bad for the belt um and i don't think we really understand why that is right now that's just what dawes is, is letting us know um dawes dawes is like he makes it clear like i don't blame you for taking a security job and being paid by you know the inner planets but Dawes is like, the situation is very fragile right now. It's very tense right now with the Canterbury and certain elements in the belt calling for war. Um, along with the Phoebe station and a missing daughter of a massive Luna Corporation CEO, you know, Dawes is like, this is a, not a good situation. Where they're, they're, If anything bad happens here, or if any, if any one thing pushes this, the scale too far over, this thing is going to de-escalate into full well, or I guess escalate into full on war. Um, and it's clear that Dawes doesn't want that. Um, so now we've got two major OPA faction heads, you know, really trying to avoid war with Mars, which is just interesting information. It's good. It's good information. Now, even, even while there are bombs going off, you know, while OPA factions are setting off bombs. So I think what we're learning is essentially the OPA leadership really doesn't want this conflict to happen. Um, so I guess what we're learning about this, what, what's happening is that this, whatever is happening right now is probably not being caused by the OPA. It doesn't seem like the OPA is behind this, right. um, even though it seems like it might be something that they would do it. OPA leadership does really, really does not want this stuff to happen, which is kind of in motion right now. Right. Um, Miller, Miller kind of picks up based on this conversation and then, how this, you know, how Dawes is talking about this, like, you think something happened to her. And Dawes is like, yes. And this is where we get the big old bomb that we kind of, we, we already know, but that the characters in the story don't know. Dawes, Anderson Dawes says that Julie worked on the Scopuli, the freighter that Mars used as bait when they killed the Canterbury. Um, ding, 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 Boom. ding. We have a winner. We now... Woj bomb right there. This is a Woj nuke. Oh, God. It's not... <laughs> This is throwing uh, everything into chaos. Miller now knows, you know, the main crux of like why the Canterbury was was killed. Um, Miller's like straight up stunned. Um, Dawes says they don't actually know what happened, and he wants Miller to stop investigating because he doesn't want any more shit stirred up while they're trying to figure out what the fuck happened here. Um, so. 
Dawes kind of like says that, you know, we are going to look into this. We don't want you to find her. Once we do find her and we figure out what happened, I will tell you. Um, and he's like, I'm, you're lucky that I'm offering you this, this deal <laughs> right. because you essentially work for another corporation. And most of the times I would not be working with you at all. But strange times call for strange alliances. Miller kind of thinks about this and doesn't really, he kind of pivots and he's like, okay, I'm going to test this guy a little bit and see if he knows anything else about some of these weird things that are happening on series right now. Uh, the first question he asks, he's like, I got two questions. Dawes like, okay, shoot him. Uh, and Miller asked Dawes, who took the riot gear? From the security lockers that we were talking about earlier and um, that Miller is bringing back up again. But again, we've got no real police response. I guess they're probably doing some internal investigation, but seems a little suspicious that uh, no one has looked into that seemingly more or it's not been a bigger issue. Um, Dawes is, knows nothing about the rag gear. Um, and um, Miller kind of uses this as like a gotcha, like, ha, you aren't that good of a detective, are you? And I don't really know why that is. I don't know why Dawes would know this all right off the bat, but uh, we're going to continue with this. Um, and the second question Miller has is, what's going on with, with organized crime in series? What's going on with the Golden Bow? Where are the local Griga? Where are the Sohiro um, groups? And Dawes also is just like, I have no clue what, what is going on with organized crime on series. And after Dawes doesn't have any answers to both of these questions, Miller's like, um, I don't know if I trust you guys looking for Julie because it doesn't seem like you know anything uh, about what's going on in series. And I, I don't know. It seems kind of unfair to me. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit after I finish this. But um, it seems like a little weird. And Dawes does get defensive about this, though, and is like, well, um, we, we will look into it. And I'll, I'll get back to you in a couple of days um on these questions and figure out what and try and figure out what's going on um but in response to this miller just says like i'm not gonna give up looking for julie i'm gonna keep keep looking for julie dawes is just like well you're that's a fucking mistake my dude and he and he does leave um after this so miller uh after dawes leaves miller's thinking to himself he's he's upset that he drank so much before instead of working uh on the case awesome. <laughs> um but but he is obviously pleased with the information he's learned uh, about the Scopuli and the Canterbury. And he kind of calls back to his line earlier and he's like, more lines to connect the dots. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's great. Love his brain. Um, he, he eventually calls Havelock at around midnight. And Miller's like, Havelock, you got to use up any sick time, any vacation you got. You got to get off Sari Station like, like ASAP. Um, and he gives him the brief about the visit from the OPA guy. So, and Havelock's like, yo, what? Like, what? What the hell? Like, what's going on? Why, why do I got to get off station? And Miller's like, dude, the OPA doesn't know what's going on. They're scared. Um, and Havelock is right ask the ask the question here that, that Miller is thinking about as well. And is the reason why he wants Havelock to get off station is because what type of group or organization scares the OPA? Um, if it's not Mars and it's not Earth, because they don't know who this is, how the OPA is like the third biggest faction in the solar system. What what is scaring them enough to get Miller to stop stirring up shit about this? And why don't they want him to keep looking into this? Um, and and that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. We're we're trying to figure out 
And a lot of people are trying to figure out, specifically the OPA, are trying to figure out who is actually responsible for this stuff. Why did the Canterbury explode? And if it wasn't Mars and it wasn't Earth, based on what they can tell, based on their information channels, like who who the fuck was it and what is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Mars, we don't have their point of view yet. Mars is essentially there as well because Mars was blamed originally and they know they didn't do it. So they're also trying to figure out like what what is happening. They are probably trying to figure out was it OPA? And that's why the OPA is getting very defensive about this and trying to figure out who the fuck did this. So th- we're just we're learning more about the political situation. We're learning about how a lot of the leaders of the major factions do not know why the Canterbury blew up or and who blew it up and why they blew it up. Um, all they know is that the tensions continue to increase between the belt and Mars and seemingly neither the belt or Mars want this to happen. So it's, it's a really tense political situation that we are continuing to learn about. And Miller is continuing to learn about this mystery of Julie and the Scopuli and the Canterbury. And, and he's starting to get more pieces to connect this puzzle and how it connects to series. Um, and in, if it connects to series um, and yeah, he, he's, he's learning that brain <laughs> is going to start working. Those detective juices are flowing, baby. Yeah, he's going hard. That is where we're at. That chapter is not actually that long, but that whole conversation is so important. I had to like really hit it beat by beat so that we didn't miss anything right. that, that they were going through because that, I mean, it's all, Miller essentially Miller kind of gets caught up to where we are actually, because obviously he hadn't read the prologue of this book. So we, we knew that the scopuli was used as bait um, for the Canterbury essentially. Um, or maybe, not, maybe we didn't have confirmation that it was bait, but we didn't know that. I mean, that was the reason that the Canterbury was out there, um, but that's not public information at all. So it's um, yeah. Miller kind of gets caught up to where we are and we learned a little bit more. We we specifically learned that the OPA has no clue what is going on. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's trying to figure out who the big baddie is, mm-hmm. and nobody knows. Or before everyone starts shooting guns. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Yeah. Then we get back to uh, Holden and the crew, chapter thirteen. One of my favorites. So we're back in the room. Air is being sucked out of there. Um, pretty fast. They describe uh, the Gluck Gluck 9000, baby. Gluck Gluck 9000. Lots of sucking. Right um, mm-hmm. They describe the blood out of uh, Shed's head just being sucked out, which is a fun sight. Um, immediately, Naomi and Alex uh, patch the, go to patch the holes, and they describe them using lunch trays and three ring binders, which is it's, it's weird that there's lunch trays in there. But I guess well, it's like a, it's like the room there is like an apartment almost is what I. Uh, it wasn't like quite the apartment. They described it was like uh, they kind of described it as like a waiting room. It's still I don't know. But also like they're patching these with lunch trays and three ring binders. God man, you gotta make do with what you got. It just uh, I just don't see that working. But maybe it does. Um, but it's I, I guess it's interesting to note here that like Naomi and Alex are like. The, the doers here they're like uh they're kind of taking charge and be like oh there's a problem let's let's fix let's fix this shit uh which, which i guess kind of fits with their their jobs the engineer and and mechanic um because <laughs> this whole time holden's just kind of sitting there um and then naomi's like yo holden go get the the freaking glue out of the the emergency kit and uh 
Holden does that, gets them the glue. They seal up the hole with glue, three ring binders, and a and a lunch tray. Um, which again, I think is I don't know, man. I'm not buying that, but uh, but no, it's good on them being being resourceful. Immediately, the crew starts like arguing, be like, "Uh, what the fuck?" Amos is like, "Why did we wear our vac suits?" And then Alex is like, "They just would have taken them away," <laughs> which is right. which is fair. Um. But then uh, Holden, to his credit, kind of brings them back and is like, yo, uh, arguing's not going to help things. We got to we gotta solve this problem we're in. Um, and Amini is like, yo, Amos, what can you do? He's like, I'll try to get the comms panel going. Um, Alex is like, I'll start banging on a ball cat. He's <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I see you, what you have to offer here. Um, and then <laughs> Naomi's like, I'll, I'll see if I can find the air controls and, and try to like leak air slower into the compartment to kind of reserve the oxygen. I don't know if that would work, to be honest, because, like, if there's, like, a set amount of oxygen, like, presumably, even if it's going into the room faster, like, you're still only using the same amount. So, like, it's not like you're going to, like, use more because there's more in there, right? I guess I'm not, I guess I'm all, I'm not horribly sure. I'm trying to think of, like, Unless it's like I'm evacuating, it's like too. taking smaller sips of water. Like if you have like a water and a glass. But it's like, all right. Imagine everybody has a straw in a bucket, and you can either everybody's just like sucking out of the bu- <laughs> sucking out of the bucket, and you okay. can either pour all the water in at once or just mm-hmm. slowly go in. And as long as everybody's just sipping, like it doesn't matter how fast you pour the water in. Like mm. it's the same amount of water. But you can't wouldn't there couldn't the air be like. Maybe they're, they'll use more just out of the, the right. percentage in it. Right. I guess that's my thought is that if there's, if it's, if they're breathing in 70%, no, it's not 70. It'd be like 20%, right? Like 20% versus 15%. Yeah. Maybe. I guess they're, I don't know. Who knows? But they do that. So they're, they're getting that stuff going. Um, then Amos working on the comms panel. All of a sudden it starts buzzing. He like freaks out. Um, Holden goes over, presses the button. It's Lieutenant Kelly. So okay, so so someone someone calls him, and he was like, ah, <laughs> that's <laughs> just like. <laughs> I think they yeah they describe it as like it starts buzzing, which I think like Amos just thinks he like did something wrong or something. I don't. It's it's kind of unclear. Bro, someone just texted us, dude. Relax. Like, <laughs> oh. yeah, he's uh like jumps back and then Holden just walks over and presses the button like. Uh, hello. It. <laughs> uh, it's Lieutenant Kelly. They're bleep. They're gonna breach the door and come get them out of there. Uh, so everybody holds on to something while they uh, they breach the door because it's it's a vacuum out there. Um, but they end up uh, breaching the door. Lieutenant Kelly's there. Um, they have like a makeshift like airlock that they made, so like it's not too bad of a, a sucking out. <laughs> exactly, and then. They're like, yo, uh, we're in big trouble. Um, we're going to get to the hangar bay, take a ship, and get out of here. And immediately the team's like, uh, what? We're we're losing? <laughs> yeah, um, it's, this is weird. This is fucked up. The, uh-huh. Yeah, they're like, uh, what that means, yeah, the ship's being taken over? And he's like, yeah, we have borders coming on. And they think they're going to lose, basically. And they get into, like... Uh, standard i like how alex calls it standard procedures like yeah they have a lot of data on here about like launch codes and like where all the martian military is and like just a lot of intel on the ship because it's it's a big battle station um so it'd be very valuable for anybody to get their hands on 
um, and make make Martian the Martian military, um, I guess, uh, infiltrated. Um, so they have a they have a failsafe where if anybody gets to the bridge, they just nuke, basically, um, burn up the reactor or implode the reactor, and they they say it turns into a small star for a second. Yeah, so they basically have a self-destruct button on the ship to prevent anybody from getting the data. Um, so that's another thing they got to get out before. Not only are there enemies on the ship that uh, presumably mean to do them harm, but they also got to get off the ship before they basically nuke it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a lot going against them here. Um, so they they get their uh, vac suits on so they're, they don't have to worry about the, the environment anymore or being in vacuum. Um, and they get, they get marching away in there their mag boots clicking on the floor. Um, and then Holden kind of gets in his head a little bit. He's like, Oh man, what are we doing? Like, um, I just saw like so many people die. I just saw shed die. And now like the Donagers being raided. Um, and it, it, it describes him as kind of like in a trance. Um, so they get to this elevator and Sergeant Dookie and mole are trying to get, first of all, why did they call him Dookie? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Don't you're bringing know. you're bringing me out of it. I don't know. And Mr. Mole, but Dookie and Mole are are trying to get this elevator going. Um, duo. Yeah. The, honestly, if I I put them in my backcourt, Dookie mm-hmm. and Mole. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and then this whole time they're hearing the the whole ship is vibrating from presumably taking shots, um, which is slightly concerning. Um. But they're trying to, they get to this elevator, trying to get it open so they can go down to the, the level. It's just not working because the whole ship's like going, going crazy. Um, and then Mole just gets his head blown off um, by an explosive round, they, de- they describe it. So another guy just getting his head destroyed. Um, it's it's very creepy because he's standing. So normally like somebody gets shot, they fall to the ground. But he has like mag boots on and there's no gravity. So they describe his body as just kind of like waving there. Um which is like one of those one of those guys in the car lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, wacky inflatable arm guy and said that's a dead body. Very gruesome. Um so everybody starts going into action mode. Like Sergeant Kelly's like getting that door open, getting making sure everybody's getting inside. Naomi's like going to action, but Holden's just like standing there. And they describe him as just like, yeah, kind of like in a daze, just like thinking about like all the shit that's going on, which is weird. Um and not not what needs to be going on here. And it's also kind of interesting because I don't think this happens a lot with Holden. Usually in the action, he's like kind of clear headed or yes, like right. he knows right. what's going on. Um, this is but this is one of those moments where he's not. Um, I think they just wanted to show how like this is all definitely affecting Holden. And uh, um, he's not basically trying to make sure, you know, he's not a robot um although he kind of is like a a do good robot but but oh well um so eventually naomi just pulls him in the elevator because he's just like standing there while the enemies are like bearing down on them um trying to to murder them but he gets pulled in the elevator um and they eventually make their way way down to the hangar bay uh and lieutenant kelly goes over the plan oh i almost forgot that freaking uh freaking dookie is he like stays back and uh like gives them color cover fire while the rest of them escape and like he doesn't come along like he sacrifices his life for uh yeah, he's big dead he's like big dead for that uh-huh. which is one thing like good on mr dookie but also like um the martian military is very 
I guess military like like they're um they're willing to give up anything for orders um which you see all throughout the series of how the martians are that's just how they are they're like country first patriot so that and it's it's kind of insane because he's dying for like people he doesn't like 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 the martians are not happy with holding this crew because they kind of got blamed for uh for blowing up the ship um so yeah i get it yeah they know generally i don't know if it's actually i can't remember if it's touched on i mean but they they know that they need to they really do need to get holden and these guys out of there because it will be a horrible look if they die oh yeah Martian custody. that's true so that's, i guess I from my yeah they, from a selfish goal, point of view dookie is <laughs> sergeant dookie is which sounds like a ridiculous which sounds like a, a horrible nickname dookie. for a sergeant that no one likes um, I think the the order he knows that he is sacrificing for greater to good keep Mars alive. Yep, um, to keep Mars out of a worse situation. I wouldn't do it. Reading of the situation, yeah. Well, that's why you're not a fucking Martian naval that's true. boy. That's true. Um, yeah, but yeah, props to Dookie, get him out safe. R.I.P. Pour one out, for rip Dookie. Dookie. Um, but Kelly and the gang. And and Gomez, the last remaining uh, sergeant with them, uh, they get down to the hangar bay. Uh, the Kelly lays out the plan. There's there's an enemy team on their old ship, the Knight. That's about twice as far away as the the Corvette ship they're going to, which is just a fast, um, the smallest naval ship there is, uh, but it has like big guns as well. So it's it's ideal for this situation. They need to get out of here and be able to defend themselves. Um, so yeah, the plan is there's two groups of enemies, one on the ship, one, um, off to the, to the left of the hangar bay they describe. And they say, Hey, yo, Lieutenant, uh, another Lieutenant giving up his life for the, for these guys. Lieutenant Gomez is going to be basically the distraction, um, and kind of look like an en- enemy pl- platoon so that, uh, Kelly, um, Holden and his crew can make a run for the, uh, the Martian Corvette that's that's in their way um so yeah the gomez basically goes off to the to the left of them away from them so they they have uh he can be the distraction starts firing at the uh the enemy infiltrators actually hits some um i i mean i he should be expected to hit some he's like a martian military guy but uh takes some of them out um, then quickly moves to another spot, starts shooting again, so it seems like there's more than, than one of him. Um, and it, it works pretty well as far as getting the distraction because the, the, all of the enemies are just laying down fire on him and Holden and his crew start making a run for it or more like a float because they're in low gravity. They just push off and, and start heading for the ship. Um, then it's described that it's I, I don't know it's like an rpg it's not an rpg but it's like an rpg type thing where holden looks back he sees gomez behind the boxes and then all of a sudden it blows up and the boxes and gomez are gone so yeah presumably gomez gets literally like incinerated right um and then holden's like oh shit that's not great uh <laughs> but but they're halfway there and he's like all right but maybe we can make it um and then he sees uh, a line of smoke followed by a big flash and Kelly disappears um, from right in front of them. So 
presumably got hit by uh whatever by, this by a not good is. thing yeah um mm-hmm. so and that's where that's where we leave it a cliffhanger again uh to holding his crew making a run for the ship don't know if we're gonna get there and uh not looking great <laughs> lowly floating across no g yeah not able to dodge bullets that are assumedly flying through the air at them yeah good not good good stuff good stuff yeah rip to gomez too man all right good job. all those brave martian boys and lieutenant kelly man lieutenant he's kelly. not he's not gone yet but uh wow <laughs> those martian boys oh those martians <laughs> they did what they had to do they and yeah that is the that is the end of our 13 chapters or 13 our chapter 6 through 13 <sighs> we did 8 today jesus what a ride what a wild ride too wild so much is so much has happened there that's a, there's a lot i mean there's a simultaneously there's a lot and not a lot with holden chapters Meeting. it feels like they're like a week or two has passed but for most of that they were just flying through nothing mm-hmm. miller was just doing some minor detective work following the riots um but now we've really uh you know miller has reached a new break point he's learned about the scopula he got the woge bomb really was on it and how it was bait for the canterbury and so his brain is just he's galaxy braining uh over there um holden is you know the donager is getting fucked up and clearly the the invaders on the donager have weapons that are as advanced or more advanced than what the martian military has if they're able to just fucking overwhelm them and wreck an entire ship of Martian uh, Marines on it um, that, you know, it says a lot about the, the caliber of whoever they're fighting. Yeah. These aren't chumps. No, Truly the big baddies. And we, and we don't know who they are. So exactly. not good, not good for really anyone yep. uh, that this is happening. So yeah, yeah. that brings us into the, our protogen lab report, our, our science Tuesday of the day. Um, Science Tuesday is what we were referring to this before we came up with a more official name, Protogen Lab Report. It's kind of stuck in my brain and and at Dak's brain as well. So you might hear us say that. It we're referring to the lab report section of our <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah. So if you ever hear Science Tuesday pop out, just just know that that's what we're talking about. True. Uh, and today we're going to be covering the Donager and how the spaceship is constructed. So Dak, do you want to? Take it away on the Donager. I'll try. Yeah, so the Donager, as we said before, is Mar- Mars's, Mars's largest battleship. Um, it's 500 meters long, weighs approximately 250,000 tons. Um, yeah, I guess to, to give you uh, a perspective on that, um, where is I going with this? So like a, a, a aircraft carrier, which is pretty big, is like similar length like 300 meters long so it's actually shorter um how tall was was the uh the sears tower sears tower was 108 stories high yeah and this thing 500 meters the the similar skyscraper size would be like 130 yeah so So it's a massive skyscraper in space yep and assumedly well, I guess probably kind of similar in size. I mean, you've got like yeah, it's structured the same way. We learn it's structured like an office building. It, it's vertical, not horizontal. 
Right, because of the thrust of the engines is what gives you artificial gravity. So, um, yeah, so it's basically exactly like an office tower moving through space, um, which is weird to think about. Another another weird thing they mentioned, it's it's like shaped like an office tower because like they don't have to worry about aerodynamics because this thing is never going into atmosphere. Um, so they don't want to waste space with curves and stuff because it's uh, like you don't. Curves are kind of unusable. Yeah, there's no reason for it, right? So the reason that like cars and like I don't know any airplanes and stuff are curved is because you need it to be aerodynamic, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know anything about this. You know stuff about this, but I don't. Um, and so and and Holden kind of comments on this a couple times. He's like, man, it's uh, you know human aesthetics when it comes to this stuff. When it comes to like fast moving objects through an atmosphere is all is all curves you know yeah. if, if something looks cool when it looks cool in a weird curvy way and spaceships kind of totally turn that on its head like nothing looks cool anymore because <laughs> it, it just, it's like brutalist architecture basically like it just like looks it's kind of blah um because there's no real need to make it look nice because a people don't look at the outsides a whole lot mm -hmm. um and b like dax said you you want to just be as efficient with space as possible yep 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 yeah they say yeah and then this thing is it's freaking it's freaking thick they they call it a thick armor ar, armored plating um it has four um epstein engines which they say were like bigger than i guess almost part of the ship like just massive mm -hmm. um and they also mentioned how, or Alex mentioned how the ship is designed for everyone to be in a crash couch and for it to just go ham, like high burn, yeah, high burn, high G's, just uh, yep. move. So it's uh, it's nothing to nothing to fuck with. <laughs> the other thing that's mentioned is that this thing is significantly larger than most of the UN battleships as well. The right. biggest UN battleships are the three hundred and 76 meter long Truman class dreadnoughts is what they're called. Um, I love it. And this thing's 500 meters, almost 500 meters long. So, I mean, this thing's like, I mean, this thing dwarfs the big, it's like a third bigger almost, you know, it's like a third or a fourth bigger yeah. um, than the biggest UN ships. So, this is kind of goes back to that the, how the UN Navy's bigger, uh, but the, the Martian Navy is badder. Like, yeah. the ships are bigger, yeah. better. They, when they're first coming onto the Martian ship, uh, Amos and J James, who've both been in the U. Well, wait, Amos hasn't Amos been in the military too? I actually no, can't remember. he hasn't. Yeah, but oh, they yeah. yeah they mentioned how like clean and, and be like oh this is fucking nice. <laughs> he's like oh yeah. He also like, has the quote about like he's like or Alex explains like yeah well when they're not doing anything they're cleaning <laughs> and like making right. it making it top notch. These guys are yeah they are serious they don't they don't mess around it's a martial it is a martial lifestyle yeah. on uh, in the Martian military um and yeah the the um let's see also uh worth mentioning that uh Bobby who will be in book two Bobby Gunner Gunny um was was stationed on the ship for a a period of time not during this incident but uh beforehand um so can't wait to to get to her right and, and, and meet her uh so yeah. we can picture her younger self in our dreams <laughs> yes 
Not creepy. Not creepy. Not creepy. Um, yeah. Yeah, so this is a, this is a big boy, baddest ship in the galaxy. Basically, can I say that? It's basically I don't implied know. to be the baddest. Baddest ship in the baddest, solar system. Yes, what a bad. Um, yeah, biggest, baddest, best. Best at everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's um that's our that's our science Tuesday. Um You're welcome. Donager and um we will be revisiting the Donager shortly uh, in our next episode which who knows how long it'll be around. I can I can see the Donager who's to never, say? Who's to say? never going away. <laughs> long live the Donager. <laughs> long live the Donager. Yes, exactly. Um and that with that, we're going to get to our last section that I actually forgot about until just like halfway through this podcast. Yes, um, our, our hero. <laughs> or, or wait, what Mal are we Kukowski, calling Employee, employee of, the of the Month. Employee award. of the Month. Of course, of course, of course. And I obviously have mine. Uh, I'll start off. Oh, my one. God. If I, I already hate it. What is it? <laughs> It's it's Lieutenant Kelly and oh actually so I I picked that too I had already okay. written that down it's the obvious choice it's the obvious I thought choice. you were gonna say Miller and I was about to <laughs> go wild I don't know you could make a case for Miller because he like I don't know he did a good job making that ride he's connecting I mean, dots but yeah, I mean, but I Kelly was I, going yeah. ham yes no in those, the heat of battle guys fucking laid their lives down to just give to just give the uh, holding and Amos and Naomi and Alex just a chance to get out like not mm-hmm. even a sure thing like they they gave it all up on a hope so no they are the heroes of this of this section they are they win the gold star mad props uh, even though they are they they earn the three percent raise three percent raise for them three percent raise <laughs> um uh, an extra half day off work great great job guys closer parking spot for them yes for the next exactly. month Mm-hmm. only one month then, yeah that's then, it you don't want to go overboard like come on for sure yeah. so yeah, yeah i that those are the clear those are the clear heroes of the story honestly miller didn't do a whole lot he kind of got lucky with a lot of this information that he got lucky he learned no. a lot like, yeah. like anderson dawes just like oh, i guess i'll just go tell him everything well like, he, he didn't do anything with that. he made his own luck he was poking around too much that's he fair. was kind of yeah, like fair. the um yeah, he did like fall backwards into some of that crap. Like he's the guy just like poking around everywhere, and then Anderson Dawes is like, "All right, we gotta do something about this, yeah, this guy. <laughs> guy man. We gotta go deal with it." <laughs> this guy just like banging into every- it's like they're like sneaking around, and then Miller just like walks between like into the battle, like messing shit up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So that is uh, that is our episode two. Um, we will be back next week with episode three of our <laughs> coverage of the expanse book one yeah we're we're reporters we're professional reporters so um but yeah we'll be back next week um with episode three so the best of episodes yeah stick around stay it's about to get wild it's already been Are pretty wild even wilder um and yeah we'll be back so thanks for sticking around thanks for listening And I hope everyone has a good week. Bye. Killer.